Welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast with Jeff Baker and Drew Pelto. Sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. And by sportscollectorsdaily.com. If it happens in the hobby, you'll find it on sportscollectorsdaily.com. And now, here's our host, Jeff Baker. Hello, everybody, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. This is TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast, where we talk TTM, cards, autographs, collecting, and a whole lot more. That's anything my friend Drew Pelto wants to talk about. Anything. He he has carte blanche. Guys, guess what? Season five. We're starting season five. I can't believe it, Drew. Season yeah. five, episode one. It is January 7th. Happy New Year to everyone. Hopefully everyone is back to work back into the swing of things there's all sorts of stuff going on this week my name is jeff baker i am the host of this fine fine program talking to you from boston massachusetts and i'm joined by my friend and co-host you heard in the background his name is drew pelto he is from dallas texas and he is the man he is the content creating man (laughs) drew has a youtube channel he is on twitter he is on instagram he's all over the place drew why don't you let people know how they can follow you of course you can find me on youtube you just go to youtube.com slash dfw grapher you also follow me on twitter at dfw grapher instagram at dfw grapher basically anywhere i am dfw grapher on a whole bunch of different places there you can go to my website dfwgrapher.com has links to everything that i do there has stuff about all the stuff i collect you name it it's all there dfl dfw grapher.com is my site check it out that's all I have to know, guys. DFW Graffer. Make sure you follow Drew. Drew has great content. Well, Drew, you know, when we when, when when this promotion idea was brought up to me, I was like, that's a great idea for promotion, right? But I always have great trepidation to put out promotions and ask for stuff back from people because you never quite know. And you hate to run a promotion that, that you get two people to mm-hmm. <laughs> send stuff in. And, you know, so I was I was I was a little gun shy about it, but. You know, it started off a little slow. I'm talking about, of course, the, the give a card, get a card, the promotion with the worst name, but the, the best promotion we've run. And what we ask people to do is we ask them to send in a card, two cards, actually, signed cards. They're going to get one card signed back from another collector. And then every the rest of the cards are going to go to our friends at Signatures for Soldiers. Well, you know what, Drew? It's done. All right. Thank you. I want to give, give yourself a, a round of applause helping drive this thing we sent out 53 cards to signatures for soldiers to earn money for for wounded veterans so nice uh, homeless and world, world wounded veterans so thank you everyone that uh submitted a card we are sending all the card all the cards that went out last night so you should see them i don't know sometime mid next week right yeah i would think if you sent submitted a card thank you very much i tried to the best to match people up with with cards that they uh sent so if you sent in a really good card you probably got a really good card i got it we got a, a couple graded cards which was nice, nice. so we're going to send those off to signature soldiers just because that they'll they'll earn some money from that we got uh you know we got a, a ron gidry and john crock and a bunch of other good guys and we got we got a uh some Bowman uh, first cards that were signed. Somebody sent in a bunch of those and we got, we have all sorts of cool cards, mostly baseball, a few uh, basketball, a few football and uh, one hockey. Drew, you're getting the hockey one. All right. That works. (laughs) So Drew's getting a a hockey card back, but uh, all in all, I think it was a really fun promotion. I'd like to, hopefully we can make it grow next year. 
Um, it was my, I want to thank my wife for, for administering it with me yesterday, because it was, you should see my kitchen table, <laughs> it was cards and envelopes everywhere. Cause we wanted to make sure we didn't send a card to somebody that they sent to me. So it was, right. we got, we got it done. So I want to thank everyone for sending in the give a card, get a card. Uh, again, we're sending 53 cards to Tim at Signatures for Soldiers to earn some money. And hopefully we had some, you guys had some fun. We'll, we'll come up with some kind kind of cool promotions uh, during the year and we'll have some more giveaways and all sorts of fun stuff. But uh, that, I just want to let everyone know about that. Drew, how was your week this week? It was good. I got, yeah, getting back to work and everything. But aside from that, haven't really done a whole lot, which was pretty nice. It's uh good to take a little bit of a break every now and then. Uh, I mailed out a bunch of stuff on New Year's Eve. I think, how many was it? 15 or 16 I mailed off on New Year's Eve itself there. So hopefully those will come back in the first few weeks of uh, 2023. But aside from that, yeah, nothing really that I uh, did hobby-wise at all. Got uh, did some cleaning around the apartment here, and that's about it. So, did you cash in your um, your Amazon gift cards and get some cards yet? Not yet. I'm still debating what I want to do with those because, well, I did go. We bought some stuff for our TV because uh, we have we've had this uh, where, ever since we upgraded our TV to a larger one. We've had the smaller one just sitting there collecting dust, and my my wife was finally like, you know what? I keep on, you know, I watch TV here and you know fall asleep on the couch and all that why don't I just move, put, you know, hook up the one that we have there in the bedroom or something like that. I mean, you know, actually go to bed on time and, you know, sit there and watch stuff. And I'm like, let's go ahead and do that. Why not? So bought some cords and another Amazon fire stick cords to hook up my uh, DVD player, which I'll be getting more into that a little bit later on in there. And aside from that, yeah, I haven't really gone bu buying much of anything yet. A part of it is I'm thinking about buying a uh, cigar box guitar kit. Yeah. yeah. Cause I've been building them out of, uh, out of old boxes, out of old uh, national treasures boxes. But um, they have a kit out there that uh, to assemble your own and build it and everything that has a license plate on the top of it. Nice. Thinking, that looks really freaking cool. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go find an old Ohio license plate to put on this thing and maybe buy that kit or something like that. Because I mean, I could build the entire thing for 125 bucks. It's like, that's that's decent right there. I mean, I've got to take up all my Amazon stuff and a little bit extra, but still, I mean, it's it's worth it. So I might do that. I don't know. And it keeps you busy. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know about you, but all we've had is since for the last like three weeks, it seems like it's just been cold and rainy here. And we had we had a little snow last yesterday and the sun finally came out today. Uh, I just hate the weather. It's just so gross. I, 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 you know, at least you you have a little warmth down down where you guys are. Yeah, it's been weird. I mean, we did get rained on a little bit, but no snow at all. Other than, you know, we got some a brief little bit of flurries there around Christmas, but. Nothing that's stuck at all. We've, uh, yeah, a little bit of rain and everything. And temperatures really varied. I mean, it's been anywhere from, like, I mean, we had the, uh, I think we set everything to, like, okay, 63 one night, or 65 in here one night. We didn't know that it was going to get down into the 30s, and we wake up, and it's, like, 59 inside. <laughs> so it's like, oh, okay, this isn't, uh, it's actually worked out all right there. But well, the, the day yeah. before, the, I should say the night before New Year's Eve, we were out um, with friends. They had a fire pit. And, you know, you, you've been in New England in December and it, to sit outside in, 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 in December, the end of December is crazy, especially at night. And it was beautiful. We're just out there with sweatshirts and, mm -hmm. you know, drinking beers and, 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 and sharing stories and joking around. And it was just, it was a fun night, but we have too few of those here. And, uh, you know, the, the last, this last week has just been ugh, gross, but not enough of the weather reports where we're, we're going to be positive <laughs> and move forward. Uh, this week, we have a really fun show, Drew. We have uh, Ted Giannullis. Ted is the San Diego chicken, and he started doing 
in the San Diego Chicken in 1974 as uh, he was just a college kid. And we learned about how he became the San Diego Chicken, all the uh, cool stuff he's done. And he was on the baseball bunch with Johnny Bench and Tom, Tommy Lasorder. And he's been, you know, he's just had so much uh, that is brought uh, to his life as a, in this chicken suit. So we talked to uh, Ted about being the San Diego chicken and Ted is a great signer through the mail. So uh, we talked to him about that. So that's coming up. We also have more with Les, Les Wolf, our first check-in with Les uh, this year. And uh, next week we'll have Jeff Owens from Sports Collectors Digest to kind of look back at 2022 and look ahead to 2023. Ted is the editor, uh, I'm sorry, Jeff is the editor of Sports Collectors Digest and we'll have him on next week. But this week, San Diego Chicken and Les Wolf, plus all our regular segments, right, right, Drew? Exactly. We've got Baker's Dozen covering all the hobby news from the previous week. The final week of Fast Forward Football. Yay! I can hear all of, Yes, Yay! I can hear everybody. <laughs> I can hear the applause. I can hear the sighs of relief. Grown Yay! men crying the whole tears of joy. Said, Yay! <laughs> Grown men are crying tears of joy out there. It's like the liberation either, of France either going that on or out all there. these guys we've been making money for all, all year. <laughs> exactly. Betting against us. Right. We've got more from Les, as you mentioned. We've got Making the Grade, covering all things in the grading world. We've got Stamp of Approval. Jeff and I give our thumbs up to something from the previous week. Could be just about anything. You never know what you're going to get out of us. The Vern Rap Minute, covering deaths in the world of sports, celebrity, music, movies, politics. You name it, it's on there. And the main reason why you're here and why we're here, our TTM returns. Yeah, Drew, we need some feedback. We love to get emails. I got an email from one of our listeners that it must have been your cousin says, well, how come Drew doesn't do the interviews? Why isn't <laughs> Drew doing the interviews? We need more Drew. <laughs> <laughs> because Drew is a terrible interviewer and he will tell you that. So that's why. <laughs> well, why don't you let people know uh, the email address so they can contact us? Of course, that is ttmcast at yahoo.com. Guys, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know uh, if you have a a question for Drew or Les or anybody, if you want to uh, have an idea for a guest on the show, if you want to be a guest yourself, we love talking to collectors in our collector's corner. Uh, if you you want to talk, just collecting with us, it doesn't have to be TTM, it can be anything. If, if you collect, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, baseball coins or whatever, I don't, we don't care. We love to talk to you. So uh, send us an email at ttmcast at yahoo.com. Thanks, Drew. We got all our housekeeping out of the way, right? Let's mm -hmm. get right into Baker's Dozen. Baker's Dozen, sponsored by SportsCollectorsDaily.com. Smart collectors turn to Sports Collectors Daily to stay up to date. From new releases to incredible collections hitting the auction block, news from inside the business of sports collectibles, and much more, Sports Collectors Daily has it, all with no subscription cost. SC Daily also delivers a live look at the most watched sports card auctions on eBay for every sport. Sign up to get the headlines in your email for free or just visit the website whenever you like. With 16,000 stories in the archive going back 16 years, there's always plenty to read at sportscollectorsdaily.com. Baker says is a news summary of what's been going on in the hobby. And, you know, we had holiday week and not as much news as we've had in the past, but there's still some stuff we want to let people know about. First, I want to remind everyone to check out my article, my weekly article on TTMing and autographs in sportscollectorsdaily.com. That usually posts either Tuesday or Wednesday morning. Make sure you check that out. All my successes are there. We have a wrap-up of what's going on in the show, all sorts of cool stuff. So make sure you check out that every week. Also, in this month's Sports Collectors Digest, I have an article on Les Wolf. 
I did a, we did a feature article on Les Wall, so make sure you check out the January issue of Sports Collectors Digest and uh, check out my article on Les. It's all cut. All sorts of cool stories about Les with Mickey Mantle and uh, Muhammad Ali and how we got involved in collecting. So Les is a, is a great uh, resource for the show. And it was nice to write an article on Les. It's in sport, this month's Sports Collectors Digest. Got big news coming from uh, buysportscards.com. We've had their uh, founder on the show before. And always talking about uh, anytime they have a big update, they have reached 5 million cards listed on their site. In fact, five and a quarter million almost there, a little extra on the uh, on the back end there. 1,865,000 listings on there as well. They're currently selling one card every five seconds. So if you're looking for an alternative to eBay, to COMC, to uh, Sport Lots, buysportscards.com is a great one to check out if you haven't uh, done so already. Yeah, we just mentioned uh, our friend Tim at Signatures for Soldiers, and we got a, a running total. We love to hear how Tim's doing. If you, you missed it at the beginning, we sent out 53 cards as part of our give a card, get a card to Signatures for Soldiers. Well, they've raised $213,116 since November 2014. Congratulate Tim on that. They, they do great work. So I uh, just want to let everyone know about what's happening with Signatures for Soldiers. Got some uh, kind of sad news from the baseball world. Frank Thomas, the original Frank Thomas, who played for what? The Pirates, the Mets, the Cardinal possibly as well. I think so too. Yeah. Um, currently ill and uh, collectors are getting notes back from his family saying, hey, he's uh, not really in shape to sign right now, unfortunately. Uh, reports are that he had a stroke a few months ago and his signature has massively changed because of that. Um, a few people have gotten him back somewhat recently, but mostly it's a lot of letters coming back saying, hey, uh, He's done signing. He's still open to, you know, receiving cards and letters and stuff, uh, donations for his charity, but don't expect any autographs in return. So if you're planning on writing to him for an autograph, tap the brakes on that. But they're certainly welcome to uh, communications from fans, so it seems. Yeah, send him a card. The guy, the yeah. guy's been an awesome signer. He's he's a great, great to the fans. It'd be nice if all the fans could just send him a little get well card uh, yeah. and, and, you know, not ask for the autograph because he's been a, a real um proponent for us right for the hobby and for the, absolutely for, for collecting and it's been a great great guy i think i'm going to go buy a, a get well card and send it out to him because he, he i've got I've, i have his card i'm sure you autograph i'm sure you do too drew he's yes i don't know anyone in the autograph game that that doesn't have a frank thomas card signed right yeah exactly i mean he's been an affordable signer for years i mean he was free for a long time even now more recently he's only been five dollars for a sig so and usually you get a second one back from him as well so i mean you'll get two for one out of all that yeah, well, I just want to, we want to create our friend Clemente Lise. Clemente, of course, is our soccer correspondent, and he's going to be on uh, talking hockey. We're going to have a new segment for 2023. We're going to call it Clemente's World. What do you think? Clemente's World. We're going to talk a little of everything. We're going to talk to Clemente once a month, I think. Uh, we'll have him on next week. But he's got a new uh, soccer newsletter. It's really good. Make sure you check out. It's called Planet Soccer. Just put in Planet Soccer, I think, in your search terms and you can get a uh you can sign up and subscribe to it. it's a free newsletter uh from clemente lise we just want to let everyone know about that all right this one i got a um a press release yesterday from ezra levine at club collectibles.com and i am gonna i'm gonna uh tell you about the press release but i'm a little confused i don't really understand it that well because i'm not that bright but anyway <laughs> Collectibles.com has they're unveiling an innovative competitive bidding process with a fractional ownership component for high-end collectibles. 
Okay, so that's what they're doing. This new component, it's called BWIC Collectibles Bid Bids Wanted in Competition. It's the, fir it's the first time individual bidders will compete directly with a group of people via group bidding. It is also a constructed process to introduce more shareholder catalysts and liquidity opportunities to our fractional community. So I don't really understand it, but I guess they're gonna, you're going to have more people that can bid on these, these high-end items, right? Yeah. So their, fir their first batch, they have 20-plus thing assets worth over $8 million. They're going to roll this out. And in the first batch, it includes a 1951 Topps Bowman BSG-10, a Superman number one comic, a Batman number one comic, three matching copies of Super Mario Brothers, the video game, a 2021 Dragon Ball, I can't tell my son this because he's going to bid on this, a 2021 <laughs> Dragon Ball Super World Championship stamp complete set of 12 that, uh, that are BSG-10 black label and a lot more. So what I'm going to do say is check out collectibles at collectibles.com collectible.com and uh you know they they're a great company their app is fantastic we're going to have Ezra Levine on to uh, tell us a little more about this and about their mint collective coming up but let me the the quote from Ezra in the in, in the press release says collectibles mission is to elevate the collectibles asset class through enhanced asset liquidity and optimal optimal optional uh, optionality for both buyers and sellers bids wanted in competition is a time-honored financial markets approach to valuing and ultimately transacting esoteric assets we believe if it's nicely within collectible arena and we're excited to roll out our proprietary and unique capabilities combining the components of traditional collectibles auctions financial markets and fractional ownerships in addition bwic should provide an engaging instructional process to increase liquidity and shareholder value for our fractional investors. That's from Ezra. <laughs> Do you understand that, Drew? Yep, those are all words, all right. <laughs> wow. That's, I mean, yeah, my, my knowledge of anything, you know, financial and markets and investing is kind of minimal there. I basically, I, I throw money in my 401k and I'm like, yeah, we'll just go with that. So right. anything like that, I'm just like, whoa, okay. We're that we're, we're way out of my league at this point. <laughs> I agree. Me too. But we want to let, we, we love Azure and we love collectibles and we want to let them know that the first W, uh, they call it a BWIC is slated to open at the end of January, 2023. And we will watch out for it. It's, you know, I think it's, it's getting opening up some high-end collectibles to uh, group and individual uh, bidders. I think that's mm -hmm. kind of the gist of it. And uh, collectible uh, came on the market, what, two and a half years ago, three years ago now, Drew, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's and, still uh, fairly they, new, still going through stuff, but it's growing very nicely, though. Yeah, they've been a great addition to the hobby. They, uh, uh, Ezra and his team have been fantastic. Um, they do all sorts of cool stuff, and they're very innovative. So uh, please check it out. Go to collectibles.com to learn more about their BWIC, and we will have Ezra come on soon to... Um, Explain it to us in layman's terms that Joe and I can understand. <laughs> That's probably good, yeah. Because <laughs> we are not financial wizards. Uh, if you looked at our, our 401ks, you'd see why. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we have some show news to let everyone know about, right, Drew? We do indeed. The Dallas Card Show coming up next weekend. That is January 12th through the 15th. That's four days worth of card show there in Allen, Texas. We at the Marriott Dallas Allen Hotel and Convention Center. 
I know they've booked a few autographed guests. You can find out more about them at DallasCardShow.com. That's the place to find all the stuff about their show and any of their upcoming ones as well. You thinking of going? Uh, I'm probably going to have to miss this one. I'm going to try to get to their next one after that, though, if I can. Cool. Well, this one is uh, this one I'd really like to go to. It's the New York Winter Extravaganza. It is in Tarrytown, New York. Tarrytown, New York, and it, you go to nanyshows.org. They have also, it's January 14th to the 15th. That's next weekend. And they got all sorts of guys signing Pete Alonzo, Frank Thomas, the big hurt, Bobby Bonilla, Glenn Anderson, all sorts of hockey guys. George Gervin's going to be there. It, it, it looks like a fantastic show. It's the New York Winter Extravaganza, January 14th and 15th in Tarrytown, New York. Go to nyshows.org for more information. If you're in Texas and a little further south, we've got the Houston Collectors Show coming up, run by TriStar Productions. You can uh, see that on February 3rd through the 5th at NRG Arena. A lot of big autograph guests already on the list. I know they're going to have members of this past year's Houston Astros World Series Championship team. Jeff Bagwell is going to be there. I think uh, Kevin McHale was one of the big ones for basketball. I've got a few basketball names Dr. on there. Dr. J. Dr. J, there you go. But if you go to TriStarProductions.com, you can find all the info about the Houston Collectors Show. All right, very good. Drew, we had a lot of new releases. This, These new releases, I don't know about you, but these new releases give me a popsicle headache. There's just so many re- releases out there, and I just don't know what to collect anymore sometimes. And, I, you know, I think we have to guide our listeners. Like, you know, there's so much stuff out there. What do you collect? What, you know, mm-hmm. you, 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 a guy like Julio Rodriguez, he's probably got about 300 different rookie cards. You know what I mean? There's just so, yeah. so many releases. But New releases, a 2022 Panini XP football, which is two packs, seven cards per pack. You get two autographs. That's going for between $350 to $400. That is out now, 2022 Panini XP football. Coming July 11th. I mean, January 11th. Oh, January 11th. (laughs) Got a Panini hoops uh, for this season, 22-23. So one of the uh, budget lines there from Panini, you can get a 24-pack box, eight cards per pack for $130. So very affordable right there. Good for people like uh, Jeff and me and for uh, beginning collectors as well. I agree. The 2022 Panini National Treasures Baseball. One pack, eight cards. I know there's, I think there's, there's, what is, there's three or four autographs in there, right, Drew? It's, it's autograph heavy. Yeah, usually um, National Treasures is like more, at least half of them are going to be autographed. Yeah. Well, that's $580 a box. It's 2022 National Treasures uh, Panini Baseball uh, coming out. One pack, eight cards, $580. It's what you watch. There's going to be a lot of breaks. If you if you want to get involved and you don't want to spend $580, there's all sorts of breaks on that National Treasures. It's a great, it's a great, uh, set there's also the the relics are really good the autographs are really good uh i highly recommend if you don't want to spend the 580 to get involved in, in a break somewhere well we got another one coming out another release coming out january 13th yeah panini spectra football for 2022 is out four is the magic number here four packs of four cards uh each in them so 16 packs 16 cards per box four autograph four memorabilia so a lot of number fours in there price however Double that. It's eight hundred dollars instead of. <laughs> but still, I mean, that's uh, there. You go. Spectra is always a uh, very nice product. You get those really thick cards they have in there. For even even the base cards and parallel cards are just like that. So real nice looking set usually. So check that out January thirteenth. I agree. That that's a good one. Well, Drew, that wraps up Baker's dozen for the week. Next up is fast forward football. Time to hit that button. Fast forward football, guys. Drew and I making our picks right now. Hit fast forward right. Now.
Fast forward football. Ready? We are putting this to bed, guys. This is it. We are done with fast forward football our last week. Maybe we'll give some predictions on the playoffs, but we are not doing fast forward football after today, our last week, 18 weeks. Last week, I went one and three. Drew went three and one. Uh, it was, I mean, the, the the difference between a win and a loss that last week, I think was like a half point either way. Like the Patriots covered by a half point. Another team was won by a half point. It was really a, a crazy week. Uh, so standings are five. I have five wins, nine losses, three three ties. Drew won a a, a, a book of uh, stamps. We'll be sending Drew a, a, some forever stamps to fuel his TTM addiction. But we still have to do this week, Drew. We have to do our our last yep. week. Um, you know, it was a tragedy uh, that turned out not to be so so much of a tragedy, right? Because he he's doing doing better. Uh, the guy from Buffalo Hamlin. What's his last name? Yeah, Demar Hamlin. Yeah, Demar, Demar Hamlin. Uh, he is doing much better. It looks like he is going to pull through, which is that's great. I don't know if he'll ever play football again, but it seems like he's going to have some type of quality of life. And we, uh, you know, obviously the Monday night game is not being played, but we're going to go this week, week eighteen. We have my New England Patriots at the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills are giving seven points to the the juggernaut of the Patriots uh, Drew, I am going to take the bills. There's no way I'm taking the Patriots this game. Yep. I was thinking the exact same thing. It's like, I mean, seven is not that much for the bills to have to overcome. I'll the take problem with well. the Patriots is if they get down two scores and I mean, 10 points, uh, they're done. They, they can't come back. And I think Buffalo is going to come out. They'll go crazy for the first half. They'll be up, you know, 27 to 10 and it, the game will be over. All right, we have, ready? This one's a good one. This is a good game, actually. Green Bay at Detroit. Detroit is getting four and a half points. I believe Detroit is still playing for a playoff spot, right? I think so. I think they're still live, kind of on the bubble there. Potential could get in, but I'm going to have to go. uh, I mean, Detroit, only four and a half that they're, I mean, uh, yeah, I think Detroit is going to be able to pull it off. They're, uh, yeah, let's take Detroit in this one. Okay. I was going to take Detroit too, but I'll take Green Bay just so we're on the different sides, okay? All right, we have ready the Baltimore Ravens uh, with, I don't, is uh, Lamar Jackson playing this week? I know he's close to being back. I don't know if he's officially back yet, though, or not. Right, and he's, they're still they're still in the playoff hunt. I believe they're going to have, a, they're going to get a playoff uh, spot. At Cincinnati, Cincinnati is giving seven points. Um, Cincinnati is playing for the third spot, I believe, right? They're, they're playing for, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, to get first, uh, Home field first round there. Right. It's still, I think it's, I don't, I think they have to win this game. Yeah. So I'm going to take Cincy. I think since he's going to actually win this game. Yeah. Who do you like? They probably will, but yeah, just to be different. Just like the previous game, I'll take Baltimore for this one. Okay. All right. Next we have your Dallas Cowboys at the Washington commanders. Washington is getting seven points. Washington is out of the playoff race, right? Is that a right? Yeah. Statement? Yep, they got bounced by the Browns, I think. So, yeah, they're out. All right, so I'll take – I'm going to take Washington just because I don't think Dallas is playing for anything, right? They've already got – do they clinch everything? Um, They have – I. they may still – well, because they can't win uh, – they can't win the division. Right, they can't beat Philly, and they're – I right. think they're – I think they're stuck at, like, five or six. Yeah, so I don't think they're going to be moving up or moving down. Washington really has nothing to play for either, so – I could see Dallas just, you know, benching a lot of the stars just to keep them healthy. So 
I'm going to still take Dallas. I just don't trust Washington at all. I mean, when you lose to the Browns, it's like, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's a problem there. So I'll take Dallas. All right. We have the last game on, on our schedule here. We have Cleveland Browns. You're Cleveland Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are giving two and a half points. Pittsburgh is playing for uh, – they have to win to have a shot at the playoffs. I, yeah. They're still they're still on an outside looking in, I believe. Cleveland, they're done, right? They cannot get in. Right, yeah, they cannot get in, but they love playing the spoiler against the Steelers if they possibly can. All right, who do you like? It's like, do you, do you even have to ask? I will. I ne- I have never taken Pittsburgh in any one of these we've done. I think. I think there's maybe once I held my nose and picked them, and they lost. So it's like there's no way. So all right, you got Cleveland. I'll take Pittsburgh. And guys, that is the last fast forward football for the season. It is a arduous task that Drew and I do every week. <laughs> We do have fun doing it, but <laughs> it's just so frustrating. Football with the, the the point spreads and these guys, I just I'm not a better, so I don't, you know, mm-hmm. I, I I don't bet at, at all ever. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I got, I, I think next year I'm gonna be, I'm gonna really, I'm gonna hunker down, study a little, and I'll I'll, I'll give you, we'll get, we'll have some real picks, okay, Drew? I promise that. Cool, sounds but good. But this, this year, this is the end of fast forward football. Welcome back, come on back, guys. Next up. More got more from less. From less. More from less. Well, we talk to less just about every every other week. We get less from Les Wolf from Les Wolf Sports LLC. Of course, he is a hobby veteran. He's been collecting for over sixty years. Uh, if you can check out his interview on Sports Card Nation with uh, Johnny Newman, he's on the the show this week. Going to cross promote there for less and uh, give less some some pub and make sure you check that out. Also, my article on Les is coming out in Sports Collector's Digest this, this month. Make sure you check that out. Boy, Les is everywhere. He's like a multimedia uh, star, isn't he? He's going to be joining me on that level there pretty soon, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, please enjoy my talk with Les Wolf from Les Wolf Sports LLC. And now it's time for more from Les with hobby legend Les Wolf. Hey guys, it's time for our first installment of more from less with hobby veteran, the man himself, the legend, and I know he hates to be called legend, but we're talking, of course, about Les Wolf from Les Wolf LLC, Les Wolf Sports LLC. All right, Les, what do you got? Well, you know what? I've been thinking. We've been doing this show for a while, and a lot of people are out there listening, and they may have questions and everything. I think we're going to reverse the show that this year, starting every every week. Everybody has to send in questions. Ask less, ask Jeff, and we're going to do it that way. So this way, it, it'll be different. You know, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of collectors have a question whether or not, you know, what they should buy, who they should buy, what they should collect them on, or who they should mail to, stuff like that. And I think that that's that's something that has never been done. And I think it needs to be done. All right. That's a good suggestion. So, guys, if you want to send in questions to last week, you know, we're always asking for questions, but we're going to try to uh, get you guys involved. Send questions, send them to me at ttmcast at yahoo.com, and then we'll present them to Les. Les is on basically every other week, and we'll we'll, we'll have Les. Uh, you can ask Les about anything you want. You can ask him about uh, who you should buy, who should invest in, who, whose autographs are 
are, are, are good to get through the mail or in person. Uh, you can ask him about preserving and protecting your collection. You can ask him uh, about any shows that he's going to, or uh, if you know you he has he's met so many people in his in his uh, time uh, collecting, including Muhammad mm -hmm. Ali and Mickey Mantle. We have a uh, I wrote an article on Les. It's going to be in Sports Collectors Digest this month it's coming out very soon i think next week i think less I, I haven't so. even seen it you wrote an article about me <laughs> good? It's, it's a ghost written article right yeah i'm a ghost yeah, you are a ghost so we had a lot of stuff less is here for us he's a great great resource and uh you know we, we'll, we'll talk to less about what's going on in the hobby and about going on in sports but it's a good opportunity uh for you to connect with Les, also Les can um, do an appraisal on some of your stuff. If we have pictures of, of your things, we can do that Absolutely. as well. You can, we can start another segment of the show. Is it trash? <laughs> Is it treasure? Trash or treasure? There you go. We can do a trash or treasure. I, I think if you ask my my wife, they would all be trash. But <laughs> you and I, it's treasure, right? You got it. One person's garbage is another person's treasure. Yeah, so we can do that. So there's all sorts of stuff we we'd love to love to hear from you. You guys are emailing me all the time, and Les is just chomping at the bit to get to, to answer your questions. So uh, we'll you know maybe we'll give a prize every week. Les, man, every, That'd every be great. Week yeah, we do we'll, with the best question. Maybe we'll give away yeah. a TTM cast T-shirt or baseball hat or something. I still have you have a T-shirt. I don't even have a T-shirt. Yes, with a picture of you on it. Wow! Didn't I give you a T-shirt? You got a T-shirt. No, there was no picture of you on it. Though. I want, no I want picture of me, though. <laughs> I want pictures, you know. That's nothing, you know. We yeah, want to. I didn't want a picture of me. I guess he, you know, he, he, he must be desperate if you wanted a picture of me. Yeah, we got, we, we got it. We got it. We want to track people, right? So we, we stay. Yeah, well, you don't pictures. want a picture of me. Maybe a picture of you. Hey, how are you um, set up for, for shows in, in Q1 of this year, of the new year? Do you, are you going to any shows? I've kind of contemplated a Yankee show next month uh, in Jersey, but I don't, I don't, you know, they, they haven't done many shows. They got a, lot, a ton of good names. And usually when I see a show like that, most of the money goes in the room, goes right to the athletes for their signings. So I usually have a track record of not doing that well, unless it's the national. So I don't know. But other than that, I'm, I'm scheduled to do the, the national in Chicago, a boxing show in Canastota in June. And I'm I'm not sure if I'm gonna do a Philly show again because I didn't have such a great uh, show there. So I'm pretty, and I'll do a Hofstra show when uh, Jimmy Ryan, who's gonna be running the national, when he has the show. And how, and, how far uh, is Terrytown from you? It's about forty-five minutes to an hour. I he I went to that hotel show that he did. Great venue, great location. The only thing is, I need to spread out, and, and in order for me to set up at a show like that, I got to have a few tables. And it's not really cost effective, and it, the aisles are very narrow. Two people can't cross at the same time. So I, I don't think I'm going to do that one. But the Hofstra show, it's in my backyard. It's easy. I'll, I'll do that one. Yeah, because there's that New York extravaganza coming up, I believe, next weekend. And they've got a lot of guests. They've got a lot of autograph guests. But I just want to show far was. That's Jimmy Ryan. He's going to be doing the National um, next year, I think it starts. 
So, but Tarrytown's not too far from you. I was no, not at all. I mean, it's you know, if anybody needs autographs or, or wants to go to a good show, that's a really good show to go to. A lot of good dealers, friends of mine, is be set up there, and it's a good one to check out. But I don't think I'll be there. I know. I know it's hard for you to, to, in terms of traveling because you have so much stuff and it's expensive. But have yeah. you ever have you ever been down to either the Houston show or the Dallas show or any of the other the other shows across the country? Um, the farthest show I ever did was the national that was in, um, uh, California, Anaheim? Uh, the Anaheim one. And that, yeah, that was a good one. I really liked that one. I liked the show, but the cost of everything, getting my stuff there, flying there, flying an associate to help me there was astronomical. Uh, you know, I'm sure we're never going to see another show there. I mean, Chicago and Cleveland are drivable. I could, you know, have someone a bunch of deals get together we rent a truck and get the stuff there other than that it's just it, it, it's very tough i'd love to do the texas show but that's that's a long ass drive no i know you know a lot of stuff so you know i i contemplate it i mean i can't ship my stuff i can't ship uh a dozen crates those big yellow crates so it becomes cost pro- prohibitive to do a show like that now, are you a, tra- a spring training guy? Do you like to go down to spring training and try to get autographs? Or it's funny, I have never done. I, I think I did it when my kids were young. We went to a couple of spring training games, but I've never really done that as far as collecting. I hear it's a lot of fun. Years ago, it used to be a lot easier. Now I heard it's a lot more difficult. Never really did that. But as yeah. as this year, as I'm going to be pushing seventy in September, um, I got to wind down. But collections keep on coming in, so I can't. You know, it's kind of tough. My wife says, sell, sell, sell. I said, but, you know, people want to sell me their collections. You know, it's kind of tough to say, hey, I can't buy that. I'm sorry. But, you know, I'm still buying. What What are some of the things that, that you've uh, taken in recently? I worked with a friend of mine, bought a nice card collection, uh, 68 tops, football, basketball. That was nice. Um, I got in a Hall of Fame induction, those 8 by 10 induction cards. Yeah, those are really nice. I got like, I got like 100 of hundred of them uh and i uh, just been slowly selling them up on ebay is they autographed they're autographed they're all autographed nice a little, a little blurry but i mean i got uh i got a bunch of those and i've been selling a bunch i've sold a few on ebay and i got a customer that's interested in a bunch of them and i only kept the ones that i wanted like Kofax and mantle and a couple of those guys other than that i'm selling dimaggio i'm i have an extra mantle so i'm selling the big guns and the they're really nice for collectors that like eight by tens and like Hall of Fame. Um, you got that's the one thing that I definitely recommend. And the Hall of Fame plaque cards is always my staple. The yellow Hall of Fame plaque cards, even though that that popularity is dwindled quite a bit because every year someone new is getting in, and it's easily a hundred to two hundred dollar plaque to get signed, and it's becoming very expensive. When I'm selling a uh, Ray Dandridge for like 50 bucks who's been deceased for a while or Rick Farrell or somebody of that or Bob Feller you know it's kind of tough to be spending seven eight hundred a thousand bucks to get a Derek Cheetah one signed so yeah and that's the way that's the way it is you know the the the, the tragedy in the, you know it's, I guess it's not a tragedy but the, what happened with the the kid from Buffalo uh on Monday night Mar- Hamlin, that's, yeah that's, but the, the, the positive side out of that, from what I hear, is that he originally wanted to raise twenty five hundred for that Toys for Tots that he's doing, and I heard the guy that, that one of his former players, that his friend is, that's doing it, 
they've gotten over $7 million put in and they can be using that to fund other things. And I think one of the most important things they should learn from this is to do more, to maybe do physicals before each game, you know, to check, uh, check everything, especially, uh, I think there's your cardiac calcium scan to check, check that they should be doing on all these athletes. I think, you know, the big thing with that now, I, I would say, is that we worry so much about the concussion protocol now. And you have a guy like Tua that if I'm him and I'm his family, I just say, listen, two of these is just enough. I'm done. Yeah. I, you know, this is this is my life. I don't want to lose it to that. And this kid Hamlin, uh, you know, 24 years old, everything I read and hear, great, great kid. It's just horrible. But you know what? Every everything negative that's happened in our lives, we can turn that into a positive, and it just shows people have gotten behind him. Seven million dollars to raise for his charity. I heard he's doing much better as of today, and I know he's going to recover because he's just a strong young kid and a young man, and he, it's going to be great, great inspiration. And his football career, I'm sure, is just about done now, anyway. But um, who knows? You never know. But it's. It just shows you how far sports have come that we actually stopped the game. Both teams got together in prayer uh, that it just shows you that sports are great, but the human relationships that are established. I mean, if you saw Mike Tomlin, this kid's from Pittsburgh, went to the University of Pitt. Tomlin was talking about it, gave him a big hug after a game. And it just shows you how one person can change a lot of lives and help a lot of people. And I think through this, it's definitely shown at how we got together to really make things happen and change. Uh, on a hobby side, how do we get rid of the the grim reaper effect? You know, the, the, this kid get, get, goes down and all of a sudden you're seeing, you know, stuff go up on eBay and people looking for thousands of thousands of dollars to profit on it. You know, Gaylord Perry dies and his stuff goes crazy and Len Dawson dies and his stuff starts going crazy. How do you how do you get away from that the Grim Reaper effect? Especially, you know, you and I are both autograph collectors and, and you know, obviously they're, you know, we, we like to get autographs of these guys. But it seems like people try to profit as soon as something terrible happens to to. Well, the, the only suggestion I would have on something like that would be to um, maybe make a mandatory 30 days grievance that you can't post anything for 30 days and put that on eBay and all the sites and do that. It really should be something, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree. But everybody's looking, everybody's looking to make a, make a dollar. I know it's just as soon as soon as something happened to this kid, the next day you saw saw people putting their cards up. Mini, I went for a thousand bucks on eBay. Yeah. Whoa! You know, I hope that that person who put it up for a thousand bucks, you know, can't sell it, or if he's going to sell it, if he sells it, hopefully puts a large amount of that money and donates it to Hamlin's charity. Yeah, I mean, as a as a collector, I never try to take advantage of that. That if if someone's passed, you know, passed away, I I always wait, and if I need that guy, I wait till it kind of calms down, and the prices usually come down considerably after yeah, the definitely. after they pass anyway. So, like, I I think some, I think maybe you and I were talking about this when Pele passed, um, you know, last last month, well, a couple of weeks ago actually, and, and uh, one of the one of one of the, I think it was chase the the guy that that's from um from uh, american pick not american because from the the pawn stars yeah. he's like 
don't pay don't pay money for Pele's autograph. He signed he signed millions of things during his, his time. You know, his autograph's very common. So don't 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 be fooled by these guys. No, I mean I'm I'm selling some I got some book plates because he didn't he missed the signing. I have these mint 10 book plates by Pele. I'm selling these for for a lot of money because they're mint tens and encapsulated. Right. So, but um he, that's one guy I think is a good investment. There is a lot of things that Pele did sign, but he hasn't been signing that frequently for a long period of time. So I think he actually is a good investment. Okay. I, I would call him the Babe Ruth of soccer. Oh, definitely. I I was trying to think who he was close to. And I it, we were uh, Drew and I were talking, and we kind of likened him to Muhammad Ali in terms of popularity in the world and uh an ambassador for the sport and uh, I, I would agree there but he he didn't he didn't have the um persona that muhammad had muhammad no no i agree and he didn't muhammad, he, he could, he didn't go into, muhammad could go into a room of 50 people and all of a sudden it'd be five thousand people and he just had that charisma and character pele was very soft-spoken i met him numerous times very very nice guy yeah, that, that's what I understand. No, uh, my Red Sox have signed Rafael Devers to three hundred and thirty-one million dollars. Um, you know, no, we're not going to talk about the the logistics of the contract. We're not going to talk about monopoly after. money. Yeah, good or bad, but in terms of when these guys sign these big contracts from a collecting standpoint, does that bring them up to another the next level in terms of popularity and people wanting them? I would say no. No. I mean, <clears throat> classic example, you know, um, anybody that's a suit, you know, like um, when the Yankees traded for Ed Whitson. When Whitson came to the Yankees, it's supposed to be great. Everybody wanted his autograph, blah, blah, blah. He turned out to be a dud. When he went and he got traded to other teams, he turned out okay. Or the Sonny Gray effect, come to New York and you're not that good, get, get paid a lot of money and, and then star in another city. Yeah, so, Kevin Brown, right? Kevin Brown's another one. There's a lot of guys like that. Um, we shouldn't be spending our money on, you know, Devers is an exception. We shouldn't be spending a lot of money on these guys as collectors. We should wait until they establish their career. Like the guy that spent $4.2 million on that Doncic rookie card, one of one. I love Luka Doncic. I, I think he killed my Knicks the other night, but... Would I spend $4.2 million on that? Hell no. I'd be spying Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig and John L. Sullivan, Robert Fitzsimmons and Ty Cobbs and Hannes Wagner's and that stuff before I'd spend $4.2 million. So it, it's just a matter of, you know, a lot of people need to have someone like myself that could teach them, you know, how to invest in the memorabilia instead of throwing away good money towards a kid that, okay, you can watch him play and he's a great player, but Luca. And I love him. He's one of my favorite players to watch now. But God forbid he has a a, a career-ending injury, that four point two million dollars will be worth four forty-two dollars. So, yeah, I saw an article someone uh, had written, and it was, um, you know, if Burrow, Justin Herbert, uh, Tua, a couple other guys, if they had not, if they didn't play one more down, would their cards be worth any anything? You know what I mean? It's these guys, you don't know. I think I think Burroughs would because he got to the Super Bowl, but uh, I don't think so. I mean, it'll just be like flashes in the pan, you know, just like just like a baseball pitcher 
winning 20 games one season, the rest of his career, career he's sub 500 every year. You know, it's, how- how how tuned into you uh, uh baseball and, and baseball rookies coming up this year? You know, everything was big. Wanda Franco, Wanda Franco, when the full season started, and he kind of fizzled out a little. And every now it's got hurt. Rigots at the end of the year, right? He got hurt. He hurt. Yeah, it. no, I know. I have him. I have him on my fantasy team. I, very disappointing. <laughs> but year, it, I think so. To do is, is there anyone uh, that you're looking at from a baseball? standpoint that that you see having uh hit their value increase or or having uh you know a breakthrough year either a rookie or a young player well i'm a yankee fan so i'm always looking at the yankees whenever the yankees call up austin wells i think he's going to be the, the, the really he's an incredible hitter uh he'll be the, the player to, to really watch i'm not familiar with austin you're not talking austin, he's a catcher with the yankees austin wells oh i don't know him okay yeah. I, I like that kid. Um, Volpe on the Yankees. I don't know what's you know why they're holding him back, but I really like Cabrera. Orlando Cabrera, the Yankees have as well. I do too. Cabrera. You think they're going to give him a, a a shot someplace? Right now, they don't have a left fielder, and they don't really have a third baseman. You know, I, I'd like to see them get rid of Josh Donaldson. So I think th- those are two possibilities. Um, and hopefully one of the, you know, maybe someone can come up from nowhere. Uh, some rookie pitcher or something to really help the Yankees. Uh, the teams to watch, really, I don't follow them that much. I like the Atlanta Braves. They seem to come up with kids from the minors. Even though they cheated and got caught, they still have an incredible farm system. You know, teams like them and the Oakland A's, they traded away Murphy. And the, the Braves were smart enough to, Sean Murphy, the catcher, yep. smart enough to sign him to a long-term contract. And I think that's, I think that's smarter money than spending three thirty one for Devers, who's twenty six, eleven years till he's thirty seven, probably a decent contract until he gets hurt, because he does have, uh, he does get injured a bit. But I think that's not a bad contract, as opposed to my Yankees are paying a guy eleven until he's like forty one years old, probably the last three four years. Judge is not going to be what he, what he's been, and you know next year. There's no way he's hitting 65 home runs and almost winning the Triple Crown. So the Yankees overpaid, but I think the way the market is now, the Mets, all these teams have to overpay to get talent. Yeah, I agree. And to keep their talent, I mean, the Red Sox had to overpay Devers. They had no choice to pay him. And who's going to be your shortstop? Is Story going to move back to... No, he can't throw anymore. His, His elbow's done. So they're gonna they're gonna have to they're gonna have to go and bargain basement and find somebody because they got the Mar- Marcelo Meyer is their guy and they think he's gonna be ready in two years. So I don't they don't want to they don't want to spend a lot of money and they're just gonna put somebody in that spot for a year or two. I I got to give Chaim Bloom the uh, GM of the Red Sox. I gotta give him a lot, of, a lot of credit. He came from the Rays and he knows what he's doing by not signing Bogarts to that ridiculous contract. I think you know even though it hinders you. But you were still rebuilding. I don't think that was a. I think that was a smart move on his part. I'm sure the fan base in Boston isn't happy with yeah, that. Yeah, no, he's taking a beating here, a beating up here. But you know what? I think that was a smart move. If you if you sign your players to contracts like that, you're only you're only going to kill your payroll. Yeah. How 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 you doing on your um your TTMs? Any TTMs back this month? This week? Um, did I get anybody? You're back. waiting for Rod Lever. Lever, did you get him back I got yet? Back Rod Lever. I got yeah. Lever is 
Was I a get basketball it. Player. <laughs> Lavin was a tenant. I got back my eight by ten of him. Oh, good. Um, I'm still waiting on a few more. Um, I, I mean, I don't send out that much as I used to, but um, it's still funny when you, you know, I always found it fun. I put initials on the envelopes and try to give myself a hint on who I was getting back. I mean, it's always that's what fun. Drew does. Yeah, and it's always fun to, uh, you know, when you're a kid or you're an adult, and when you get the mail and you wait for the mailman to come in. Where you go to the appeal box and oh, I got a letter. When do I got in here? And your eyes wide open. You know, wow, I got him back. Yeah, I love that. My, I don't do. I I like to be totally surprised. You know, I'm, I I sent out probably ten or fifteen a week just to to keep everything going. And uh, you know, sometimes I I honestly I like getting back the ones the guys that aren't the superstars. I got I just got Jerry Cora back from the Buffalo Sabers, and uh, I, I was thrilled to get that one. Oh, I was working. For a while on my the black and whites i bought a big big collection of a guy in jersey a big hockey guy and i had like a stack of about 300 black and white eight by tens of all the old rangers the team oh, nice. photos. so i was working on that for years trying to get all the the, the nobodies on the eight by tens yeah i mean the last one of the last ones was pierre jerry sure and i saw him in person he gave me his address i sent him the eight by ten and what does he do? He keeps the eight by ten, sends me two cards and some small photo. And then I collected <laughs> the set. I said, "What a like, moron!" Dude, and I, I want I, the photo. And I had to call him. It took about a year and a half to get that back. I, and then, and then on another positive side, I mailed to Jim Nielsen, who was a ranger. Uh, they called him the Chief because he was Indian. Yeah, he played a, for uh, he played for the the California Golden Seals too. I think did he? I don't recall it, but I remember he was a ranger. I really liked him. I had a picture of him where he was skating with one of his young kids. It took me a while because I didn't know who it was. I, at the time, Roger Bear made rest of it. He helped me figure out who it was. I sent that to um, Nielsen and a couple of photos to keep. He wrote me back this wonderful letter. Thank you. What a surprise to get that. My, you know, my baby, how old she is now, what she's doing. It, you know, things like that are the fun part. You know, that, that's... When you get a nice letter from someone that, that that's forgotten, but you haven't forgotten, and, and they appreciate you, give them just a, a photo. It was a wire photo. And yeah, I agree. Those I I love I love that stuff. You know, I, I I always put my phone number on on my letter, and every once in a while, I'll get a call from a guy like, "Hey, I got your letter and you know your card. Thanks for writing, reaching out, and you know we talk we talk whatever what they were doing. It's it's really neat." I remember mailing to Tom Tresh. His dad played Mike Tresh. I had an envelope signed by Mike Tresh. He wrote me this long letter. I'm keeping this. I'd like to send you a signed baseball. If that's okay, I wrote him back. Yeah, send me the baseball. Never got the baseball. He kept my Mike Tresh autograph. <laughs> All right, you know, but whatever. But, you know, you're trading with these guys. Like Reggie Jackson, if any of the listeners out there, whenever you see him, if you have any unusual photos or wire photos or pictures you've taken of him when he played, he will trade you his autograph for him. And he was, he's just very nice about that. I mean, I've done quite a few trades with him. And if you want anything added inscriptions, just give him some extra photos. Very cool. Well, Les, thank you. We're talking with Les Wolf from Les Wolf Sports LLC. Go to Les Wolf Sports LLC.com. That's where all his stuff is. Uh, he has tons of autograph stuff. He's always putting up new stuff. He's buying collections left and right. We're going to, he's going to have a, 
feature article in next this month's January Sports Collectors Digest that I wrote. You make sure you check that out. If you have any questions, we're, we're looking for a question of the week, so to speak. Send us a good question. If you'd like to let's do a, a appraisal of one of your items, or if you have a question on how to protect your pro, your your collectibles, or uh, you just want to ask less about his his life and times with Mickey Mantle or Broad uh, uh, Muhammad Ali or Joe Namath or any of these guys, just send it to me. Send it to me at ttmcast at yahoo.com, ttmcast at yahoo.com, and I'll make sure that we ask less. If we use your question on the air, we'll get we'll send you a prize. We'll get some some type of TTMcast prize. We're gonna have the TTMcast baseball cards, right, Les? We'll have those we'll have those out uh, around the, the national. Yeah, the, you know, we gotta get some of those encapsulated and graded and then they're gonna go for a lot of money. We it's we have we don't have many of them out there, folks. So if you want any of them, it's my it's considered one of my rookie cards. It is. We have rookie cards. We have rookie cards of those, so we can we can certainly send you one on a 2022 version. But we're going to have 2023 versions as well. And uh, you know, we love talking to Les about what's going on in sports and what's happening in the collection collectibles world. And Les is always great to add his two cents and talk about what's going on. And uh, you know, Les, I love having you on the show, and I love uh, I love our time together. Likewise, and I want you, the listeners. And viewers, start sending those questions in. All right, send, wait, to... send them to ttmcast at yahoo.com, and we'll take care of it. Make sure you check out Les Wolf Sports at Les Wolf Sports LLC. Les's contact informa- information is there as well. Les is always looking to purchase collections. So if you have a, a collection that you might be selling, Les is al- always a guy. I might have a lead for you. I'm I'm feeling out a guy right now to see if see what he has, but I might have a lead for you on a collection. Thank you. I appreciate it. No problem. Cards, you name it, I'm happy to help him. Even coins and stamps I can help you with also. I know you prefer pictures, though, right? You're more of a picture guy than a card guy. I, I like card. I like signed cards. I like baseballs, like photos. But I, I do have an extensive signed photo collection. I know you. Do you, you should. You should have like a, a traveling museum going on with all your with all your stuff, so people. Can uh, I'll see. tell you why, Jeff. You're the curator. Make it happen. <laughs> if you build it, will they come? There you go. All right, buddy. We'll we'll talk to you in two weeks. Say thanks for your time and. and uh, and uh, let's let's go get those questions out. Send them to me at ttmcast.yahoo.com. Any questions for Les? He'll, Les will answer anything you want. You want, you ask, he'll answer it. So send it along, and maybe you'll win a prize. And I'll just leave everybody with a trivia question. Name the manager. He's currently back as a manager that has the largest hat size. <laughs> I don't know that one. All right, well, stick around. We'll have the answer. You know what? Send me an email at ttmcast.yahoo.com. If you get if you get the the right answer, I'm going to send it to Les because I don't know the answer. So, well, if you if we get a if you get answer the trivia question, you will. I'll make sure you get something. I've got I got a prize closet. I'll get I'll get you something for for uh, picking get the first one. We're not giving that. We're not giving away twenty prizes. One person. All righty. All right, buddy. Thank you, Les. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye bye. Dude, don't you love Les? You just I, I, the, the best part about Les is you say, Les, what do you think about that tree over there? And he gives you like five to ten minutes of gold. <laughs> it's like, yeah, just you know, toss, toss the ball up and let him whack it, and just you know, watch it fly is all you can really do with him. That that's all I do. But a, a, a little back end thing, right? 
So Les and I do it. We we talk usually on Thursday, Thursday. So we talk. We spoke on Thursday. So I'm talking to Les and just, hey, how's it going? How's your How was your New Year? Blah blah. Hey, I, I go, Les. What do you want to talk about this week? He goes, just hit record. <laughs> go, what do you mean? Just hit record. I got I got something for you. Just hit record. Oh, that's yeah. good. Oh, okay, Les. <laughs> You're up. <Nice. laughs> He's the best. Well, I hope you enjoyed my time with Les Wolf. That 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 closes out the Les Wolf segment. Next up is making the grade. Making the grade is sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. It's the only time I can use my radio voice, you know. <laughs> of course. <laughs> making the grade is a summary of what's been going on in the grading community. Guys, CSG just keeps on giving. They've extended their 20% off all grading services until the end of January. If you've been sitting on the sidelines, this is me talking, not this isn't a commercial. If you've been sitting on the sidelines waiting to get cards graded, now's the time because they're not going to keep this offer going forever. It's very affordable. They get 30-day turnaround. They, 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 uh, their cases are awesome. Uh, give them a try. Check it out. CSG. Go to csgcards.com. Get Save 20% off all grading services until the end of January of this year. And I don't think they're going to extend it. I didn't think they were going to extend it through January, but they did. So check it out. CSG. Go to csgcards.com. We got some grading numbers, 2022 grading numbers to let everyone know about. We do. Yeah. The final numbers for the whole year. We've been, uh, you know, talking about the monthly ones, weekly ones, all that kind of stuff throughout the year. Well, we finally have the yearly ones for you here across gaming and sports. 15 million cards have been graded by the companies this year. Nine and a half million of those are sports cards. So almost two thirds of those being in the uh, sports card market. PSA currently holding a 75% market share in grading 11.2 million cards that went through there. I know we were, uh, Kind of given the following along the uh, the trail there to see, oh, are they going to hit that 12 million mark there of, you know, an average of 1 million a month? Just short of that, but still, Just I mean, short. a great year with 11.2 million cards. CSG, 1.4 million cards graded. SGC had a 988,000 and Beckett, 748,000, the lowest of the four, but they took some time off to move into a new building. So I think we can go ahead and, uh, you know, give them a pass on that because I think any other year they would hit the uh, pretty close to that 1 million mark as well. Among the individual sports, basketball accounted for 3.1 million, baseball 3 million, football 2.1 million, and soccer, bringing up the number four spot, 453,000 soccer cards graded this year. So nice numbers there from across the uh, all the grading companies. You know what, Drew, I don't have this the, this number or, or this this figure that I'm going to ask you about. So I'm, I'm asking your opinion, I guess. What do you think the percentage of cards that are out there on a yearly basis, get graded. Is it five percent of all the cards that are out there get graded? Is it twenty percent? What do you do? You think there's a bit? Do you think it's a big number? Do you think there's just so many? There's there's tons of cards out there that just don't don't get graded. I think there's a ton that don't get graded. Um, I mean, there's so much just you know random base stuff that people aren't going to bother with. So like the average, I mean, you pull like a tops base card of Josh Naylor, for example. Unless you're certain that that is going to get a 10, you're probably not going to get it graded at all. So I think it's a fairly low percentage there just because of that. A lot of the, I mean, if you were to take a look at like higher end stuff, I think it's going to be a higher percentage. Look at guys, rookie cards, anything like that, that's going to be a higher percentage. But in the grand scheme of things, I think it's fairly low, actually. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm. I bet maybe one or two percent of my collection is graded cards. I don't mm-hmm. know what yours is, it, but I, I wonder if that's consistent across the 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 hobby. Yeah, I'd say. I mean, mine's even less than what yours is. There, I could probably name off almost off the top of my head what cards I have graded, and it's pretty darn few right now. But there's definitely a lot of them where I'm sitting there thinking eh, I might get that graded at some point. So it's uh. It's just something I haven't pulled the trigger on mostly just because of, I mean, the cost of it and everything. Unless I know for certain that getting something graded at a, it has, number one, that has a reasonable chance of going to a high grade. Number two, that it has a high, much higher value at a high grade. That's the only time I'm really going to bother to do it for the most part. Yeah, speaking of grading, uh, this Wednesday, I'm going to be going out to uh, up to New Hampshire to go to TGA, to go to uh, the grading authority to go check out their uh, facility and, and get a tour of the facility and see what they're 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 all about. And um, I'll report back next week and let everyone know uh, what I see. But I'm really it's really cool. I, I've been to CSG before. They're the only company I've been to. Have you been to Beckett? Uh, I have. I haven't done like a full tour or anything, but I've gone in and you know to drop stuff off and pick stuff up and talk to a few friends at work there. But that's about it. Yeah, it's it's kind of neat. CSG is kind of neat. I'm looking forward to going see in T, TGA, um, and it, it'll be fun. I think I'm going to meet up with. I know I'm meeting with the president, um, Mark Lemay, but I think George Scott uh, the third is going to be there as well. I, I can't say for definite, but it'll be it'll be nice. We're, we're going to go up there and get a tour of the facility and, and see what they're all about. So I'll I'll let you know how that. Let everyone know how that goes next week. Well, that yeah. closes up making the grade. Next up is. The TTM cast stamp of approval. I bet you're wondering who earned this week's TTM cast stamp of approval. All right, true, true. I think this is the first time in a while that, that we haven't had a food, right? I think we all, yeah. we always seem to get a food in there as our, our TTM cast stamp of approval. We're, we're not too svelte guys here. We're, <laughs> we like to eat. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we got two fun things for, for stamp of approval. I'll do mine first then you can do yours because yours is really cool. All right. Mine, uh, my wife and I, the other day, uh, I think it was two or three days ago, we watched uh, Hustle with Adam Sandler. So now a movie about Adam Sandler is a, um, it's available on online now. It's not a new movie. Uh, Adam Sandler is a scout for the 76ers, um, former uh, basketball player. He played at Temple, and he goes and becomes a scout looking for, for diamonds in the rough, and he finds this guy out in Spain. And the, it's a story about bringing him over and trying to get him into the NBA and Adam Sandler's uh, life and struggles. But there's all sorts of – it's all sorts of NBA guys in it. Dr. J's in it, uh, you know, Alan Iverson. There's also everything. It's all the real guys. So, they're, you know, it's all NBA sanctioned, so to speak. Um, you know, it's a couple of years old, but, but uh, you know, a lot of the coaches are in it. And uh, it's really a good movie, a very, very enjoyable movie as a sports fan. My wife liked it because it's got a, you know, the human interest thing with the, the kid, the guy coming over from Spain, the guy that played for the, the main um character is an nba player he played for a bunch of uh, uh three or four teams i believe he's with the um i think he might be with the mavericks now i'm not sure he was with the Celtics for a while and the nuggets and a couple other teams and they, they've got all, all, uh, all sorts of guys that are in it so i really enjoy it i'm going to give my stamp approval to the hustle it's with adam sandler make sure you check that out it's a really good movie drew what's yours all right well mine goes to i mentioned earlier that i was able to dig out my dvd player and get that all hooked up on there and the reason I did that was because I was looking through and cleaning stuff out from my uh, card shelf there. And 
several years ago, we're talking about a decade or so ago, I was a moderator at Fried Chicken's Hockey Fight site, which was this message board dedicated just to talk about hockey fights and all that kind of stuff. At least that was the main main reason for it. Uh, longtime hockey fight tape trader, DVD collector, and so uh, wanted to dig those out and watch a few of them. And so mine goes to hockey fights, and uh, see right there, I've got my whole binder of DVD lists there. Nice. Do you have a favorite fight? Oh, geez. Um, that would be very tough to... Uh, narrow it down to one. I mean, I'm dealing with, you know, several hundred DVDs that are two hours each. So trying to pick just one favorite out of there is yeah. almost impossible. Do you have a favorite um, enforcer from hot and hockey? Do you have somebody that you really uh, like? Yeah. John Cordick and PJ stock are probably my two all-time favorites there. Uh, Cordick was a long time with uh, Montreal, Toronto, Washington, and uh, Quebec and had some absolute wars with Basil McRae. And I'm actually looking at one of my lists right here. There's this, uh, DVD series made by this guy, um, Freddie, known as Marty 33, called Rivalries and Greatest Rematches. And the reason I looked it up was because we were talking before we got on here about you'd seen the uh, Dave Schultz versus uh, Terry O'Reilly. I said, yeah, those guys went at it probably a good six times or so. But uh, I want to bring this up here because, I mean, like John Cordick fought Basil McRae 10 times. It's all ever all 10 of those are on this one disc. Nice. Um, who else? I mean, he was famous for, of course, going with um, t- um, Jay Miller of the Bruins about good yep. eight times or so in their careers there. Um, well, it's funny, Jay Miller, when he was coming up through the juniors, he was a scorer. He yeah. was a he was a really skilled guy. And when he came to the NHL, I don't know what happened. He, he just found his niche as a uh, an enforcer because he was a tough guy. Yeah, he was. And uh, Sammy, looking through here, I mean, just. Uh, yeah, for some reason, I'm not seeing the O'Reilly and Schultz fights. They may not have fought as many times as I thought they had, but Terry O'Reilly's name comes up on here quite a bit. I mean. Has uh, five fights of his against Clark Gillies from the uh, New York Islanders. Yep, there's, there's a guy a, that he was tough guy, huh? Yeah, yep, he absolutely was. Uh, he had three fights. Uh, O'Reilly had three fights versus Mel Bridgman on here, so that might be who I was thinking of that he had the kind of rivalry with. There was Bridgman, but there's just so many great fights. I'm kind of that I'm coming across again here on all this, and it's something that you just don't see in hockey as much anymore. Physical play is not as valued as it was throughout the '70s, the '80s, even to the '90s now. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's something I enjoy about the game. And unfortunately it's kind of, you know, started to go away a bit in there. And yeah, I mean, I, mean, I the, watch, yeah. I, I don't know if you watch all the, the stars games, but I bought, I watched basically every Bruins game mm-hmm. and maybe one out of every three games, there'll be a fight. Yeah. And then they usually really quick fights. It's usually just like two, two, one guy throws a punch, the other guy throws a punch, maybe one out of the punch and then they break break it up pretty quickly before they used to let the guys just go crazy and throw haymakers yep yeah there's uh yeah i don't really watch uh i don't watch the stars very much even the penguins my favorite team i've watched maybe two games of theirs over the last uh, year and a half or so i usually end up seeing my wife's avalanche more than anything but yeah i mean there's you go into some of those rivalries ones there that rivalries tape leads off with uh craig cox versus bob probert those two guys only went at it twice but that first one it was probert's first nhl fight and I swear each of those guys throws 30 punches in that fight. Yeah. Probably lands a good 20 of them. And yeah, you don't see that anymore. It's all defensive. You know, guys that latch on, try to throw a little Jersey jab at a guy and, you know, they wrestle around a bit, try to throw another Jersey jab and either they fall down and the linesman jump in and just, yeah, I mean, you don't see the, uh, you don't see guys willing to stand back and throw anymore. No, I know. Did you watch the winter classic classic at uh family park? No, I didn't even watch that at all. I mean, to me, it's like number Outdoor games used to be a big thing, and now it's like you're playing, you know, at least one every single year. Playing sometimes, in some cases, you know, four or five of them a year. Just like 
it's lost the luster for me to watch an outdoor game. It's just like, oh yeah, okay, seen it before. It was it was a new and novel thing when it first happened, when they first started doing them. And now it's like, eh, okay, it's been done. I know it was like 45 degrees when they played yeah. it. They play, played at Fenway. And uh, but the ice looked pretty good and it was a good game. I don't know. I don't know if you saw the highlights, but the Penguins were losing by one goal and they they scored a goal, but the time it expired. I'd heard that. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, a Penguins fan that I follow on Twitter said something like, hey, nice goal by Evgeny Malkin with negative point nine seconds left. To win absolutely it wasn't nothing. a goal. It, the, yeah, it, it, it definitely wasn't a goal, but it was still it was a, it was a good game. Well, guys, yeah. thank that's it. We ra- that wraps up TTM cast stamp of approval. Next up is the Vern Rot Minute. Well, Drew, as we start our fifth season, fifth season, that's right, guys, five years for all you longtime listeners. Thank you. If you're you're uh, new to the show, welcome. Uh, you know, this Vern Rap Minute, I think we've had since the very first show. Uh, and this, the Vern Rap Minute is dedicated to Mr. Vern Rap, who I sent out a TTM request to uh, prior to him uh, passing away. And it was kind of embarrassing, to, to say the least. So we do this as a service to our fellow TTMers to let people know who passed away in the world of sports and celebrity and, and, and politics and any guys, anyone that you might ask an autograph for. And we got some guys uh, this week as well, pe- people this week as well. Uh, we lost Kenton Edlin. Kenton was, uh, went to University of Virginia. He was a small forward. He played 10 games with the Indiana Pacers from in 1984-85 season. And Edlin, uh, uh, Kenton went on to become a lawyer, which is pretty cool. He uh, it was 60, tier, 60 years old. He did not do signed TTMs, but uh, Kenton Edlin was 60 years old. Uh, we lost Charles Brown this week. He was a tackle back in the 1960s for SMU and the 1962 Oakland Raiders of the AFL. After that, went on to play in the CFL with the Edmonton Eskimos, also on the offensive line with them. Not a TTM at all. Charles Brown was 86 years old. I love when guys, when you see guys' names that are that are famous in other things, like Charles Brown. If your last name was Brown, you're not going to name your kid Charlie. You're just not, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but when his parents named Charles Charles, there was he was there was no Peanuts or Snoopy or any of that kind of stuff. Right. And yeah. Those. That, I mean, he would have been born probably a couple of years before that started up. So yeah. Yeah. It's just interesting when you when you when you see that. Uh, I know. Just on a side note, my um, one of my friends, his father's name was Adolf. He was, oh geez but he was he was born before you know, he was born in the 30s yeah he was before yeah. before adolf hitler was that and anybody you know but no to name kid adolf now is like you wouldn't even think about it so it's kind of yeah. i always find that interesting you know when somebody's made made a name like you know uh, that you were it was not a name when when you were named that but all of a sudden now, now you're like oh why'd you name him that if i were him i would just drop the a off the front and gone by dolph the rest of my life yeah, yeah. he was no he was aids okay there you go yep. and that was before aids too oh too yeah much. then there's 80 is hit it's like geez i can't win man what am i gonna do now so, yeah no he was aids that was funny uh we lost uh bob rivard bob rivard was a center and left winger for the pittsburgh penguins he played 27 games in 1967-68 season he scored five goals and got 12 assists he was not a ttm or bob was 83 years old 
I'm always intrigued by guys like that. I mean, 17 points in 27 games. That's usually a pretty darn good stats. And he gets what one season out of it. Wow. Yeah. He went on, you know, he played the minors. He played a, he had a, a, yep. a big career in the minors, but he just never made it up to the to the big leagues. And, you know, that was a different time, right? In the sixties, it was a very different time it was, you know, there was, it was still the original six and then expansion was 67, I believe. Uh, so there, there, it's not like today where there's so many teams, you know? Right. Right. Uh, we also lost uh, Sergei Botan uh, this week. He was a uh, Russian defenseman, I believe, played for the Jets, the Red Wings, and the Sharks from 1992 to 1996. Was a TTMer for a while. Last week he signed was 2017, it appears. Uh, Sergei Botan was 55 years old. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to brutalize this name. Uche Nwaneri. Nwaneri? Nwaneri, I think, maybe, something like that. Yeah. Okay, Uche Nwaneri. He was a guard for the Jacksonville Jaguars from 19, 2007 to 2013. Uh, he was only 38 years old. He was not a TTMer. Uh, Uche Nawari. How about that? Uche Nawari. Yeah. Uh, we also lost Art McNally this week. He was a uh, longtime NFL official. He was an on-field referee. Later was, uh, I believe, head of all officiating or something for the NFL. The first ever referee to get into the Hall of Fame, which is shocking that there's only been one so far, but... He was inducted into the Hall of Fame. He last TTM'd around 2021. So uh fairly good TTMer up until the last couple of years or so. He was 97 years old, refereed from 1950 or officiated with the NFL in some capacity, 1959 to 2015. Yeah, I think he st- was started the instant replay. Like, I think he was the father of the instant replay. I think he was the guy that that kind of started the you know the rules of, of how they were going to handle instant replay. Yeah. Uh Drew, did you were you ever a um uh, an astronaut guy? You know, collecting autographs from astronauts. I haven't been. Uh, my friend Aubrey, who has been on my channel a number of times, she's a big uh, she's become a big astronaut collector here recently. So. It's funny when I was little, when I'm saying like second, third, fourth grade, I would write to the, the astronauts. This pro- before I even did sports, uh, and I got they used to you know you could send to NASA and they would send you cool space pictures and. Um, the guys would send autograph pictures back and I never, I didn't keep them. Oh, wow. I, you know, I was, I was a little kid. So what I, it didn't mean anything to me, but I like, I used to like the, the, the pictures and stuff that, that we got. Well, anyway, uh, Walter Cunningham who was an astronaut, but not NASA. He was on Apollo seven and he was uh, 90 years old. And um, you know, I, I, I saw a cool thing that the last time anyone was on the moon was 1972. So wow. There's few and far between have got people that are still alive that have been in space and uh, and walked the moon. Now he was before the the uh, Apollo eleven, right? It was Apollo eleven that went to the right. moon? So he's before that. But you know, he, he another one of the 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 trailblazers we lost. Walter Cunningham was ninety years old. On the world of music, we lost Anita Pointer this week. She was the uh, founder and lead singer of the Pointer Sisters, who are big, of course, in the uh, what late seventies, early eighties, I believe. Uh, Anita Pointer was 74 years old. Yeah, we lost a, a TV legend, right? A trailblazer. Um, well, we're talking, of course, about Barbara Walters. She was a TV journalist, a, a journalist. She was on uh, 2020 with Hugh Downs, and she was in, you know, Barbara Walters specials. And she was, you know, she was very instrumental in, in pop culture and in TV journalism. And I believe she was a pretty good signer through the mail. I, hmm. I can't say for 100% sure, but I, I recall hearing that, that she was Barbara Walter was 93 years old. Uh, we lost a Nate Colbert here in the last couple of days. The former first baseman and outfielder from 1966 to 76 played with the Padres, the Astros, the Tigers, the Expos, the A's, 
He was famous, of course, for being uh, one of the few to hit five home runs in a single day. Not a single game, single day. August 1st, 1972, and uh, Jeff and I were talking off the air, too, that apparently he was in attendance when Stan Musial did that earlier as well. So a little inspiration there to him early on in life. Uh, Nate Colbert was an excellent TTMer. He was 76 years old. We lost Jim Rosencrantz. Jim was a uh, went to Penn State. He was a linebacker. He actually played one game with the New York Jets in 1976. He did uh, some TTM. His last TTM was 2016. Jim Rosencrantz was only 69 years old. Uh, we also lost Bill Campbell here in the last couple of days. We mentioned, actually, I believe it was last week's show that he was entering hospice. So uh, been uh, dealing with some illness there for a little while, it seems. And unfortunately, it seems we've gotten the better of him. Campbell, of course, pitched for a long time from, uh, let's see, 1973 to 87. Played with the Twins, the Red Sox, the Phillies, the Tigers, the Cubs, the Cardinals, and the Expos. He's an all-star in 1977, a two-time Rollades Relief uh, Relief Award winner, and a great TTMer. I know I've written to him before. Jeff, I'm sure you have as well. Bill Campbell was 74 years old. Well, Drew, thank goodness. We, we lost a lot of people this week. Uh, our sympathy uh, goes, thoughts and sympathy go, goes out to them. We're sorry for your loss. Next up, we're going to talk a little TTM Returns. Was our mailbox full this week? Let's take a look at this week's TTM Returns. Well, Drew, it's been a real kind of strange two weeks, I think, because of the holiday. Mm-hmm. And I think we haven't been sending out a lot. lot. Uh, I got what I get, I get two. I think that's six returns. You got four. Why don't you do yours and then, then I'll, I'll quickly run down mine. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, my Cleveland Browns successes continue here. I got four back this week. All of them were Browns players. Um, On the day before New Year's Eve, I got Reggie Rucker back. He was a wide receiver for the Browns in the 70s into the early 80s. Uh, Just a heads up, he charges $5 per request. So if you're mailing out to him, stick Fiverr in there and you'll get your stuff back signed. Mine came back in about maybe a week and a half, two weeks or so at most. Uh, Then on what was this? The 3rd of January. So the first mail day after the holiday weekend. Got Clarence Scott, who is a friend of TTM Cast. He's been on the show uh, once in the previous yep. year or so. He signed uh, stuff that I sent off to him. Took a couple weeks to turn around on that. Larry Poole, also a defensive back, I believe, for the Browns. He signed my card and my custom index card. And offensive lineman Greg Ricosi, who was a second-round pick, I want to save the Browns, in 87. Played for them, played for the Miami Hurricanes before that, part of uh, their great teams there in the 80s. And another quick return on him. Took maybe about a week and a half or two weeks or so to get him. So. Once again, four former Browns players all rolling in here in the last week and a half or so, and hopefully have some more of those coming in as well. Okay, cool. I, I think I, I think we got you one Browns in your in the, uh, give a card, get a card. So cool. I get you one one, one Brown. I, I picked out any Browns and Indians for you. All right, cool. <laughs> That's very cool. I got I got I think two I think two five five or six here. I got Jerry Korab who played defenseman with the Buffalo Sabers. Uh, in the 70s and he in early 80s he signed the card and uh put king Cor- uh korab uh as it must have was his nickname with the number four and he signed his 1979 80 tops card for me in a couple weeks it was a pretty quick turnaround i, say, I got of hockey um, fights he i was gonna say, speak of hockey fights he was a tough guy back in the 70s there too good old uh king kong korab i think they used to say but yeah 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 that's what it is king kong that's what you're there old, we king go kong. nice he was the man I got um, three 1983 Topps cards, uh, football. I got Ellis Grooms, who was a defensive end for the Saint, the Cardinals. Uh, this Were they the St. Louis Cardinals? They were the Phoenix Cardinals by then, 83. Uh, they moved in 88, I want to say. Yeah, so this was a St. Louis Cardinals card. Um, and he was a defensive end. He signed. These are all, these came in like uh, a week or two. 
I got Cedric Brown, who's a safety with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on his 83 tops card. He signed in blue pen with his number. Um, not the best autograph, but we got it. Thank you. And then we got Butch Woolfolk, who played for the Giants. He was a running back. He signed his 83 and 84 tops card. Uh, nice blue Sharpie. Um, and real uh, that came out good. And then I also got um, our friend and, and guest, Ted Giannoulis. He signed, sent, sent back his 19... 19- 92 Donruss card that I had had. I think you inspired me on this one, Drew. I think you were talking about it one day and it's like, you know what? I have that card. I got to, I got to send it off. And he's, he's got the best signature. It's such a, such a nice signature. It was, uh, it was great to have him sign the card that I had in my collection forever. And uh, we're going to talk to Ted uh, coming up. So that is my returns. I actually sent out, I think I sent out 15 this week, uh, the beginning of the week as well, mostly baseball. So I went through and I, I was looking at guys was signing and I was, it was, I think it was new year, maybe new year's day. I was just like, okay, let, let me, let's do some TTM. And so I, I did about 15 that I got out there. So I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to keep with my like 10 a week. That's my goal. How about you? Uh, yeah, I had sent out a bunch on new year's Eve. I sent all those, uh, all those rookie cards I've mentioned. I've picked up here recently, hall of famer rookies mailed off a bunch of those. So hopefully those will get back here quickly. I've got a few more that I need to, uh, Still stamp and write at least, but they're ready to go. Like uh, Barry Switzer, I'm going to be sending off to uh, um, Bob Johnson, who's an offensive lineman for the uh, Cincinnati Bengals back in the 70s. Uh, let's see. Richard Petty, I've got a couple of. And Ed King, who's a former Browns offensive lineman. So hopefully those will come back. We'll see what we get out of those. Cool. Very good. Well, thank you, Drew. We love returns. That's why we do this, right, Drew? Exactly. <laughs> Next up, we have our TTM cast interview for the week. This week's interview is brought to you by Certified Sports Guarantee, csgcards.com for superior sports card certification and grading. So as, a, as I said, I sent out a TTM request to, to Ted Giannoulis, who was the San Diego chicken, um, I don't know, maybe two or three weeks ago. And uh, he sent me sent me an email and said, oh, I'd love to be on your show. And then I interviewed him the other, uh, the other day. And I had a great talk with him about just his time as a San Diego chicken and all the things, the cool things he's done. And uh, it's really neat. You know, all the doors that has been open for him and he's a great signer through the mail. We talk about being on cards and stuff. So please enjoy my interview with Ted Giannoulis, the San Diego chicken. But first, here's a message from our friends at CSG. 2022 was a great year for CSG. They graded iconic cards, including a 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle that sold for 1.25 million at auction reviewed more than 1 million cards in less than two years, and they're only getting started. Take advantage of the CSG difference with grading fees 20% off through January. CSG has incredible turnaround times and state-of-the-art holders. Starting at just $12 a card, visit csgcards.com today to experience the difference. Joining the show is a legend. I mean, a true legend. I'm talking about Ted Junulis. Ted was and is the San Diego Chicken. He has appeared in over 5,000 appearances in 900, over 900 different facilities in all 50 states and eight countries. In, all, in total, he's entertained more than 60 million people during his career. So welcome, Ted. It's a thrill to just chance to talk to you. Jeff, thank you for having me on. I'm honored. Great. Well, you know what? Let's let's start at the beginning, okay? Because that's I guess that's the best place to start. You're you're a call you're a college kid, twenty years old, and and uh, how did you end up being in a chick, chicken suit in March of nineteen seventy four? 
Well, believe it or not, it started harmlessly enough as a radio station promotion for a local rock and roll radio station. Uh, they had a one-week promotional gimmick during the Easter break, uh, spring break as it's called nowadays, I guess, uh, uh, back in 1974 to uh, dress somebody up in a chicken suit and send them to the zoo to give away candy Easter eggs. Uh, again, just as a radio station stunt. So they dispatched a representative to the campus at San Diego State to find anybody that would agree to do this detail for two bucks an hour. And uh, the person walks into a radio communications class where I was hanging out uh, because he had been there himself a few years previously and now is an alumni. So he decides he'll go and find somebody there. And uh, there were just only five of us uh, shooting the breeze after class, hanging around. And he, he comes, and he asks us on the spot, uh, anybody want to do this? And we all volunteer. So he's got to pick somebody for two bucks an hour, I guess. He looks around the room. He sees me as the shortest guy in the room. And he says, you, the short guy, <laughs> you'll fit the costume best of all. You start tomorrow. And uh, Jeff, I can tell you, there was no interview no job application to fill out, uh, not even an audition. He just had a, a, a quick excuse to get out of there, and he did it. Uh, took all of 90 seconds, and he was gone. And uh, and that was it. So I went to the zoo and did my stint, and uh, the rest was uh, chicken history after that. You know, that's kind of we, we call that the Johnny Bravo tryout from the Brady Brunch. You fit the suit, so you got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I stayed on for the week, but then uh, I saw the Padres were uh, having opening day and I figured I could get in for free with this getup. So I called up the Padres to see if they let me come down and they were amenable to that. And I told station management I could go down and advertise their call letters on my chest um, on the chicken suit uh, uh, by going to a Padre game. And they said, go ahead, give it a try. And you, I went. I went ahead, I'm did, sorry. And I went and did that, and uh, it uh, it was a hit with the uh, with the fans as I worked the aisles uh, of that opening night. Did you feel? I, I have this picture in my head that you put the chicken suit on, right? And the heavens opened up, and the and, and the angels started singing, and you and you found and you found your calling. Is that what happened? No, not really. Um, actually, I, I I took the job uh, uh, just to get my foot in the door at a real radio station. You know, if they asked me to empty trash cans or sweep the floors or shine the records, I would have done it. In fact, I would have paid them two bucks an hour to work there. But they needed somebody to wear a chicken suit. So I did that. But to your point, it's very interesting, Jeff. Um, I, I had a lifelong fascination with comedy. I loved sports. And what I did was basically merge the two uh, into a unique act so I could amuse myself while I was in this um, getup. And it was a paper mache outfit at first. It's not the same one I'm wearing today. So it was difficult and bulky to wear. But uh, uh, but I uh, I persevered and uh, and people started uh, becoming amused by it. And a strange thing happened at the station our ratings mysteriously started going upward. It, it was the last place radio station, but uh, they started climbing dramatically. Uh, 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 basically a walk around billboard. Now you were, you were trailblazer as a mascot. I don't think there's really been a, a mascot for 
uh, sports teams at that time. Uh, we're talking back in the early mid seventies. Um, who influenced you, and, and how uh, do you see your influence in other mascots after you, you know, you became famous? Well, I'll tell you who influenced me. There, there were no mascots, and I wasn't looking for any kind of uh, mascot blueprint. For me, Jeff, uh, it was comedians uh, like uh, Harpo Marx and the stand-up comedians of the day. You know, uh, it was uh, Richard Pryor and Steve Martin. And don't forget, uh, a couple of years later, uh, um, Saturday Night Live with the original crew was debuting. And uh, I was just, um, in, in, you know, inspired more by the, the sense of uh, comedians uh, and to goof off in the grandstands. And and that's what uh, that's what motivated me, and uh, it was unique, never seen before, really to speak of, uh, that uh, I was a jokester, a prankster in in the audience with the fans, and people seemed to enjoy it. And sure. then um, uh, eventually, the Padres loved it so much they invited me to go on the field and try some chicken stick out on the diamond, you know. You know, and it just uh, took off from there. And so, um, you know, since then, uh, it's inspired a lot of uh, sports teams around the world, for that matter, even the Olympics and the World Cups and all that yep. sort of thing to have their own mascots, I guess. So, uh, you know, what I what I started um, uh, was unique in its way. And it uh, but, you know, there were always mascots around, but they were never you know, active or animated as, as I was. And, uh, but uh, for sports teams, um, they had a few, but uh, they weren't everyday things. They were just out for ceremonial things. Uh, and that was it uh, as, as, as far back as I can recall. Yeah, me as well. We're speaking with Ted Genelis. Ted was the same, is the same. I'm not saying Wes anymore, Ted. You are the San Diego chicken. He has appeared over 5,000 appearances, uh, entertaining over 60 million people since uh, 1974. Ted, um, what were some of the pl fun players to interact with, uh, you know, uh, during, during when you were doing your shenanigans? Well, it, it, there were so many who were great with me. It's, it was remarkable, um, just incredible, uh, especially a lot of the superstars. And uh, I'll give you one example. But, I mean, to begin with, um, a, a lot of players on the Big Red Machine and uh, back in the 70s and yep. the Dodgers, of course. And, uh, and then I branched out on the road and started uh, being invited by other teams to their towns. Um, it was remarkable. My first road game on uh, leaving San Diego, believe it or not, the St. Louis Cardinals called me up from their clubhouse. And and the the players, since they weren't coming back to San Diego, called me and said they were pooling their kangaroo court money together. And rather than have an end of the season party with it, they were going to uh, offer it to me to come out and uh, to fly out to St. Louis and perform for them over a two game set in 1976. Wow. Yeah, so this was the player's idea. Keith Hernandez and Lou Brock and uh, uh, Ron Fairley was on that team. And, uh, the, you know, it was really something. And so they 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 flew me out there to, to perform. And, of course, when management got a, a heard of the story, uh, 
the St. Louis Cardinals management, uh, they told the players to, to keep their kangaroo court money and that they would uh, affront it. I went out there for nothing. Uh, you know, I, yeah. I didn't charge anything, but uh, but uh, they were just uh, bringing together all their um, uh, their kangaroo court money to, to fly me out and uh, put me up. And uh, it was remarkable that that was the impact that the players had for it, They that they were enjoying it. And I'll, I'll give you another uh, slight story being a, a collector show. When Lou Brock stole his record-breaking base to beat Ty Cobb, number 896, I believe it was, it happened right here in San Diego. And uh, it's they stopped the game. It was 1977. They stopped the game in August of 1977. The, uh, the Hall of Fame was here. They collected, uh, they brought out the microphone. They did a few speeches right in the middle of the game. The, they collected uh, uh, Lou's uh, shoes, and uh, after the game, they were to collect his uniform. They even uh, picked up the base, of course, and made a ceremony of collecting the sands, uh, the grains of sand that he slid in, and uh, I, and uh, went on with the game. After the game, Whitey Wiedelman, a Padre coach at the time, had saved the baseball that uh, the pitch was thrown on and he kept it uh, and then presented it privately to Lou because Lou was a guy who couldn't really say no, but uh, Whitey Wiedelman had saved the, the pitch, literally the ball that was pitched for him to steal the base on. Lou took the baseball, laughed it off, took a pen and he signed it to the chicken. Best wishes. Lou Brock handed, it back, handed it back to Whitey Wiedelman. And told Whitey, please give this to the chicken for me, okay? And uh, the next day, uh, the, the the Padre coach gave it to me to my shock and surprise, and uh, and let me have that ball. And um, I had that ball for the longest period of time, and I donated it to the um, to the uh, champ uh, Hall of Champions here in San Diego, which was like a San Diego um, Hall of Fame until uh, they ceased all operations. And then when I asked for the ball back, believe it or not, they lost it. They claimed they, claimed <laughs> yeah, they lost they, it. <laughs> they lost it. And, and it hasn't been found sad. since. That's yeah. Did but you... somewhere there's a ball out there that says, to the chicken, best wishes, Lou Brock, uh, with the date of August 1977 on it. Yeah, I'm surprised that hasn't shown up in the – the hobby somewhere you know yeah but have you uh did you collect autographs because you've met so many people so many presidents and, and uh famous people and, and obviously all the athletes were you an autograph collector uh back in the day uh, believe it or not jeff no i wasn't and i didn't collect autographs and and i i never really bothered uh the the players with that because as I started doing bits on the field and everything, as much as I appreciated uh, what they were doing, I didn't want to feel that I, I was an imposition on them, you know. And so I decided I won't ask for their autograph. It, interesting to note that there may have been a thousand players who asked for mine, you know, and um, and and uh, they were great about it. Uh, I'll I'll tell you what uh, one time I'll give you an example. I'm in Anaheim for the Angels, and uh, and uh, Roger Clemens is pitching for the Boston Red Sox, and he's having a heck of a Roger Clemens game. 
It's he's got a two hitter going. It's one one. He pitches his way through the tenth inning, and uh, he's pulled from the game. Okay, uh, and so as uh, as uh, the game goes on in the eleventh and twelfth inning, I'm on top of the Angels dugout go- goofing off. The bat boy pops his head up. He says, "Chicken, uh, come on down here during the inning break. I need to talk to you." So I sneak down there. You're like, oh, great. What did I do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and he's got a baseball there and it's fr- it's signed from Roger Clements. And he says, Roger wants to have you, uh, wants you to have this. But he says, you, uh, he wants me to get a trade for it first. If you can sign a couple of eight by tens for his boys, you can have this baseball. <laughs> <laughs> so we made the trade in the middle of the game. I signed him a couple of eight by 10 glossies and I got the, the baseball from Roger and uh, we made the trade and he delivered the, the photos to, to Clements right that's, in the middle of the game. That's funny. We're talking with Ted Genos. Ted is the San Diego chicken. He of course has been on over 5,000 appearances in nine, over 900 different facilities in 50 States, eight countries wearing his San Diego chicken uh, uniform. That's had, uh, it's had some changes over the years, but you kind of settled, settled on the final design. We're back in the, in the late mid seventies, you think? Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, I had a change of, of uh, costume, uh, about 1975, uh, and then again when I was fired from the radio station in 79, that's when I broke out on my own with my own uh, chicken suit. And I, I was fired in um, in 79 when we literally had uh, uh, philosophical differences over my career growth in a chicken suit, <laughs> shall we say. Did you ever and, think it would dwindle down to that? <laughs> No, no, not at all. Not at all. And it was uh, it was quite a moment being fired and then coming back here uh, in San Diego. And uh, it made all the national newscasts, even Walter Cronkite dispatched the film crew out here in San Diego to cover it, you know, back in the day. And uh, was that was it your idea to pop out of the egg when you when you reemerged or was that <laughs> that was my idea? Yeah, that was brilliant. Ted, was that's a- brilliant. Oh, thank you, Jeff. Yeah, some baseball historians have called it uh, perhaps the greatest uh, single single night promotion in the history of baseball. But sold out Jack Murphy Stadium, sold it out, and it was such a, a, a an event in June of 1979, the grand hatching, as it's called, that, um, like I say, it was such uh, an event. Like I say, sold out the Murph, uh, but. Uh, um, the Padres were only averaging about 14,000 fans a game that night. So selling out the stadium was a big deal even because they were a last place team. And uh, I made a deal. I made a side deal with the Padres that, that to do the game, they would pay me uh, a, a buck and a half for everybody I drew over their average crowd. And they didn't believe it would sell out, but they agreed to it. They figured, uh, you know, a buck and a half of nothing is going to be nothing. Right? They'll make it. Well, they'll make it up on a coke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they sold forty-seven thousand seats, uh, and uh, and uh, have to ended up paying a, a, a buck and a half, which went a long way with me at the time because I was in litigation uh, with my former employees at the time. And it served as a pretty good defense fund for me. It kept me alive, kept me going. 
We're speaking with Ted Genius. Ted is the San Diego chicken. Ted, I want to go back to high school. You went to Hoover High, which is famous, obviously, for one of the most famous graduates. I want to let you know that you're the second person from Hoover High to be on the show. We had Dave Moorhead on a couple of years ago. So you're you're the second Hoover High <laughs> person yes. on the show. Dave Moorhead, that's right. I remember. I remember him as growing up uh, uh, pitching for, I believe, the Boston Red Sox. Yeah, he pitched for the Red Sox and a few other teams. I think he yeah. might have actually pitched for the Padres near the end of his career if I uh, he may oh. have. Yeah, he but did uh, you he get did you ever get to meet Ted? Did you ever get to meet Ted Williams? I did get to meet Ted Williams, believe it or not. And it was a great honor. And here's a little story behind that. Um, I was doing the baseball bunch, which was a TV show by Johnny Bench and myself. And um uh it it, it, it in fact it won three Emmy Awards. And Ted Williams loved that show so much that he went to the extraordinary length to call up the producers and say, I want to be a guest on that show. And we were all taken aback. So he flew out to Arizona where we did the show and we did an episode with him. And this was really unheard of for Ted Williams to, uh, to do TV, but uh, it was great. And, uh, I got to talk and uh, with Ted, meet him, and uh, we compared notes with if any old teachers were still there. And I believe there was one still working in it from English class, and it was uh, really something, you know, to do that uh, to do that program with Ted. Uh, just a, a great guy, and he really enjoyed the the show. And for those who don't know, the baseball bunch was like a bad bears learning baseball tips from uh, the 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 superstars of the day did you did you get how did you get involved in it because that was my next question in terms you know that's right in my wheelhouse in terms of when i was a a young kid you know watching the baseball bunch i love the baseball bunch my brother and i never missed an episode uh, how did you get involved in the show and, and uh did you get to interject a lot of your uh, personality that you wanted to to put into the show Yes, that's right. Believe it or not, uh, the original pilot was shot without me, and the producers looked at it. It was done up in uh, at the Pepperdine University up in the uh, uh, L.A. area. Yeah, and so they saw the original pilot, and it was kind of dry. Uh, so the producers called me up literally the next day uh, after the uh, original show was in the can, and they said, "Ted." Uh, if you've got the day open, can you come down this weekend? And, and so we can reshoot this show with you in it. And uh, we've got a script, so we're not going to rewrite it. Just uh, see where you can fit yourself around it. And we'll reshoot the show. We think uh, the, the show needs a little flavor because it's too dry for the kids. And so I, I agreed to go up there and uh, they reshot the, uh, the pilot as I fit myself in there, or like you say, my personality in and around impromptu, improvisationally. And uh, they had a show and, and it sold and it, uh, and it went on for five years. So that, that that's, that's the little backstory behind the, the baseball bunch. And we, we certainly enjoyed it. And, and Johnny was so good with everyone. And uh, it was his presence that basically uh, was an inducement for all the other superstars to come and be a guest host with us um, every week. And the show ran every summer um, uh, during baseball season.
Yeah, we we loved it. I gonna I gonna ask you. I saw this and 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 it kind of uh, it's kind of analogous to what you you're doing in that Chuck Jones, who was the director of all the uh, Looney the Looney Tunes with um, the Roadrunner, he had rules set up for the Roadrunner that you wouldn't have thought about. Did you have rules set up for for you being a, a chicken and things that you would do on the field or or in an arena? And uh, how much of it was kind of scripted in your mind, or was was there a lot of improvisation? to it well when we uh when we first uh started uh, uh with uh, the regular shows of the baseball bunch uh they started uh working uh, uh working in uh, bits for me and uh, they left a kind of um impromptu again uh, they just said uh, chicken goofs off here with johnny uh, uh chicken goofs off here with cal ripkin or whatever uh d- different scenarios um uh, and uh and uh, and uh, I guess Ted, was, I was uh, asking more of like your your um, appearances at the stadium or or at the and at um arena when you're you know you're you're at a Padres game and they're playing the Phillies. Do you have like okay, there's four things that I'm going to do today uh, out of my repertoire, and there are there things that you wouldn't do? Uh, you know, I don't know, make make fun of a grandmother, or, you know, I mean, like that kind of stuff. Oh, I see. Yeah, I just try to use common sense when I was at the game and when I when I uh, appeared for uh, various teams. Um, I told them, I'll take every inning break that uh, you'll let me have. And they said, Ted, you can have them all if you want. And I, I would take uh, I would take them all basically starting in the second inning uh, and sometimes the third inning and going all the way to the eighth inning. And um and uh, so I the only rule I, I had for myself, Jeff, was not to goof off if there was an injury on the field, you know, out of out of respect uh, for the situation. And uh, I would never go out there in the in the uh, during play itself, you know, or anything of that nature. Um, the only thing I did on the field during play was in the minor leagues they would allow me to actually coach at first base coach's box uh, for an inning. Yep. And I, I would do that. But I, again, I never interfered uh, uh, with the play. I would just goof off for the fans. And, and it was, it was fun for everybody, the umpires, the players, the coaches, and of course the fans. But um, uh, let's see, never was, uh, never saw myself as being derogatory with uh, the, the visiting team. Uh, again, I was just there for fun and to goof off for the fans, and 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 as you might have guessed, I actually uh, worked the visiting team into my gags. So a lot of times I was the foil, you know, at their uh, at my expense, um, you know. Did, and did you uh, get to play? Did you get to play any um, practical jokes on any players? Like a player would come up to so and so's birthday, or so and so's afraid of spiders, or did you did you have any any memorable? Uh, oh, there were uh, there was uh, one memorable time. There was a, I, I believe, a player's name, and he never never uh, played much in the big leagues. But uh, I'm at a, a winter winter game uh, down in Puerto Rico, and the player's name was uh, uh, Kevin Romine. I think Kevin Romine. Yeah, he was outfielder with the um, the Red Sox. Very good, my friend. Man, you are one encyclopedia. That's great. So. He, I was told during a rain delay in San Juan, during a game in San Juan, Puerto Rico, a player came up to me and he said, you know, Kevin does not like to be touched. And if you touch him, he has to touch you back. (laughs) 
And so what is so you got your mind, your mind must have just started going a mile a minute. Oh, I, yeah. I can have fun with this. So while the tarp is out there and everything, uh, uh, he said, you know, you should go touch him and then run out onto the field in this rainstorm and see if he if he tries to chase you to touch you back. So I did it. And then I bolted out of the dugout and uh, he was on the visiting team. And uh, I darted out onto the field, and sure enough, here he came. You know, uh, he threw off his shoes and started chasing me around in his socks, trying to touch me back. And I was running away from him, and the fans were going nuts. And they knew all about Kevin's uh, superstition because it was well known all throughout the, in the winter league down there uh, through the media. And there he was. Uh, chasing me around and slipping and sliding and uh, the same with me. And finally uh, he, he did touch me by tackling me pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was a big guy. He was a big guy. It was very funny, but he took it all, all in fun, but it was a superstition that he had and it was uh, quite unusual, but uh, a great guy, uh, needless to say. Yeah, thank you. That was uh, we're talking with Ted Genolis. Ted is the San Diego Chicken, of course. Everyone knows the San Diego Chicken, the Trailblazer, the 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 grandfather of all mascots. He's been doing it since 1974. He has made over uh, I don't know 5,000 appearances and entertained more than 60 million people. And we're talking a little about his career, about uh, collecting. Let's talk a little about uh, getting featured on the Donruss baseball cards. Was that a surprise to you? And and, uh, and how was that? Yeah, you know how how do you think that went over? It was an amazing surprise to me, Jeff. Actually, it was the brainchild of a San Diego Padre vice president of marketing, and uh, he pitched it on his own to uh, uh, the baseball card companies. And Don Russ, in 1982, stepped up and said, "We want to do that." And so they, uh, I, I went and posed for some uh, a, a photo. Uh, on the field of Jack Murphy Stadium, and uh, and uh, they they made the the card up and and ran it, and it was a huge hit. It was the first time, and you'll correct me on this if I'm wrong, Jeff, but to my knowledge, it was the first time a fan or any non baseball player or umpire had been featured in a card collection set with real players. And um, and so it was such a hit when it ran with Don Russell's audiences that they asked me to do it again in 83 and again in 84. And then a few years later, they came out with another uh, card set called Triple Play. And I was featured in that. And then um, uh, by the uh, early 90s, uh, 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 Upper Deck used a uh, used me in a in a photo with um with Cecil Fielder uh, in the middle of uh, of a sketch that I did at a game at uh, Tiger Stadium sure and they used use that uh, as Cecil Fielder's card so and uh, to this day um uh, Panini uh you know Don Russ uh have put out the uh, more chicken cards uh, that are uh, a big hit and fans uh, continue to send them to me for to be autographed. Were you a collector as a kid? Did you collect baseball cards? Yes, I did. Oh, that, yes, I did. My favorite set was the, was the 62 tops wood grain set. Yep. Yeah. To, to this day, it still remains uh, 
my favorite. I was a second grader at the time, but uh, man, I love that card set. Did you keep all? Uh, did you keep them, or did your mom toss them like everyone else? Yeah, my mom was being a mom. And, <laughs> and, as uh, soon well, as you're out the door, yeah, where would all, all my cards go? I gave it to your three year old, your six year old cousin. He likes cards. Oh, yeah, great. well, I had them. Yeah, I had them for the longest period, and then uh, my dad was moving the whole family down to San Diego from London, Ontario, where I was born and raised, and uh, that's where. Um, that's where uh, they, shall we say, just got lost yep. <laughs> and it disappeared. And so uh, there's only so much you can bring. And so uh, and so that was uh, that was then. And uh, I, I wish I still had them, of course. I didn't no, have I, I did not have the whole set, you know, uh, up in London. And that was uh, up there. Uh, it was uh, they were produced by the OPG Gum Company, I believe yep. it was called. And so, but they were identical to what was uh, being printed in the States. Did you, I, I was asked this to former athletes, I'm going to ask you as well. During uh, When they were available in packs back in the 80s, did you go uh, ever be in a convenience store or grocery store and pick up a couple packs to see if you could get your own card? Oh, um uh, you mean when uh when the yeah TV- you know you're at you're in you're in the pharmacy and there's a pack a couple there's a box of donors cards there and you're like hey i'm in that set oh pick- i never you know i never even thought of that i did you know i never even thought of that jeff you know that's, that's uh I that's should. a collector that's a collector in me ted i would have done i i would have been there buying 20 packs until i got got me it's very interesting. Uh, Don Russ did send me uh, a couple of packs of the 83 cards, uh, a couple of uh, boxes of the 83 cards that I've never opened up to this day. Uh, but they, I didn't get any 82 uh, uh, cards at all. And I didn't even think of going into the store to get some. But well, I think uh, I might have an extra one if you want it. Uh, of the 82 card? Yeah. Oh, I got, I got plenty of the 82 okay. cards. Oh yeah, fans. Fans uh, sometimes when they send them to me, they say, "Please sign these four. There's five cards here. Please sign four, and you can keep one for yourself." And and I do that. But then I I turn around and and uh, on occasion, if if uh, some fan or kid is is in need of a card, I might uh, uh, drop it in there. But I don't I don't have a whole uh, uh, I don't have a whole bunch of uh, of those. Just uh, I just keep them in 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 circulation, and I love the idea of them uh, circulating about, uh, you know, it's, uh, I get a kick out of that. Sure. Do you, uh, do you get a lot of requests still through the mail for your autograph? Oh yeah. Yeah. Quite, quite a few, quite a few uh, from, from kids who probably look at uh, YouTube videos to of course uh, uh, adults nowadays who have uh, fond memories of back in the day. And, uh, and I, I get them from around the world for that matter, Jeff. I mean, uh, uh, you know, f- fans from overseas uh, write me and uh, they don't, they might not have baseball cards, but they know of the story and uh, they send me their self-addressed stamped envelopes uh, asking if they, if I could uh, uh, sign something for them and, and, and put it in there. So we, yeah. And of course, nowadays I get quite a few photographs of people who've shot the, uh, my uh, my my uh, shall I say statue at uh, Cooperstown? My display, my costume display at Cooperstown. Uh, they pose beside it, take a picture of it, and then send that to me uh, to be autographed as well. That must be humbling for you to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame in that form. It is. 
It it really is, and and it's been there for quite a while. And apparently, uh, I'm told it's it's a very popular display. And uh, once again, it was uh, I think the first time any mascot had been displayed at the Baseball Hall of Fame. And so it, it's it was uh, uh, remarkable for me uh, that uh, I would be asked uh, to you know to donate a costume and uh, and have it uh, mounted and then have it glass encased. Uh, on display and and even when the hall of fame did a a seven-year tour of baseball uh, america as baseball or baseball as america i believe that was the the theme of their of their tour it, they they featured prominently as people walked into these uh, museums to, to to look at their traveling artifacts so it uh yeah it, it is kind of it's, it, but you know what it says jeff it says that people had fun with with the character yeah. and seem to enjoy it. And, and uh, to me, uh, not to be, not to use a pun, but it's a feather in my cap. And, and, and <laughs> that was a good I'm one. Too- that, that your journalism degree got used right there. Very good. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I enjoy, I enjoy the honor of, of something like that, that, uh, that it's, 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 it's recognized by the, the hall of fame, but it also says that uh, I, I live in the hearts of of, of fans, um, uh, you know, with their memories, and uh, that's the ultimate Hall of Fame. Thank you. I was speaking with Ted Genius. Ted, of course, is the San Diego Chicken. He has been uh, a mascot. We'll call it a mascot, an icon uh, since 1974. Uh, he has performed to for over 60 million people, which that number alone must must. Uh, just give you a, a second thought to step back and say, "Wow, look at all the people that have seen me." Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's remarkable, Jeff. Um, you know, what started off as basically a one week promotion for a rock and roll radio station that, uh, would have this kind of longevity. It's, uh, it, it really is. And, and, uh, I enjoyed uh, every, uh, all aspects of it. I'm in semi-retirement now, you know, after 48, 49 years. Yeah. 49 but, years in the chicken suit. You can take a break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, but I spent a lot of holidays and a lot of years on the road, and I enjoyed it. I actually, actually enjoyed being out there and performing. And I would perform 250 days of the year across the United States, all over North America, and around the world. And it, uh, I was heartened because, uh, you know, I spoke to the audience, uh, you know, through my antics. And they responded through the universal language of laughter, and so it was um, a, quite a rapport. And uh, it, it, you know, there was that the, there was no language barrier when you're when you're funny, you know. And, and thankfully, uh, the fans honored me with their laughter. Did you prefer working uh, outdoor events or or in arenas? Did, did you have a, pre- a preference? Oh, that's a that's a good question. I I loved it all. Um, uh, arenas were very good, especially basketball games, because the court became a stage during the timeouts for me. Yeah, and 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 uh, everybody was on top of the action. Uh, in baseball, uh, I would get around as much as I can to all parts of the field, um, and uh, and I enjoyed that as well. Uh, football uh, was difficult uh, uh, to work because because you'd be on one sideline and the other sideline really couldn't see. And sometimes the stands were so constructed that the near sideline couldn't see you, but the, the far sideline could. 
And so uh, there wasn't as much uh, activity there. And uh, uh, hockey games were great because I could perform behind the glass and the players would crash right up against me. And I could, <laughs> goof, I could goof off of them and the audience seemed to laugh, uh, enjoy and, and laugh at that. Yeah, the soccer games were the most difficult, the most difficult. We got to a point where I just stopped taking invitations to do soccer games because the, the focus is on the ball. And uh, uh, you could be on one side of the field and uh, and it was impossible, uh, you know, to. Uh, to to goof off there, you know. At one time during a uh, uh, a game when I was in Minnesota, uh, the the front office encouraged me to run out there and and jump up and down with the players uh, it, it, with a goal. And I said, "What about the referees? They're gonna they're gonna uh, they're gonna not gonna take well to this." And they said, "Don't worry about the referees." And uh, sure enough, I, it was the Minnesota kicks, and they scored a goal. You know, and I went out there and and I jumped up and down with the players in the middle of their pile and everything else like that. And the referee comes out there and he's scolding me and he says, "Get <laughs> off this field before I give the team a yellow card." <laughs> he literally he he had the yellow card, but he was reaching for it in his pocket, ready to whip it out on the team somehow i don't know who he was gonna he was gonna warn you know but uh it basically he was he was threatening me that uh, i'll i'll set up for a penalty shot against you uh, against uh the kicks if you keep doing this and so um uh the the front office management didn't seem to care they, <laughs> they had a they themselves had a rock and roll mentality about things and they said we're trying to have fun here you know and uh you know just they said uh, chicken you just go out there be yourself don't worry about everything else. And thankfully, nothing ever came of uh, yellow cards and red cards and and penalty kicks and all that stuff. Did you have a um a facility that you really enjoyed playing most? I know San Diego was your your home for a while. It was in the Jack Murphy Stadium, but is, did you have a, a facility or, or or venue that I really you really liked performing? Yes, at? yes. Uh, there there were there were a few, but my all time favorite was old Arlington Stadium uh, for the Texas Rangers. Yeah. Now that now Jeff that was a minor league stadium that that began and it, they just kept adding on and when they got to the major leagues they just kept adding on and adding on. And the fans sit, sat so close and right on top of you. And the, the fans down there were it's Texas, man, and they are great. <laughs> they are fantastic fans. Man, they just want to have a good time, you know. And so, uh, but I loved how the fans just sat on top of you there and they could see everything that you were up to. And it was easy to get on and off the field. And uh, I, I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I mean, you could you could shake hands with the third baseman just about. And uh, it, uh, it's, uh, it's so enjoyable, so enjoyable. And uh, Wrigley Field, of course, uh, Sure. Uh, was a classic yeah what what made me uh favor uh arlington stadium a little more than wrigley field at the time as great as a field that was uh arlington had a way better sound system and so when i had the little uh, uh rock and roll uh, music to, to go along with my gag you know that they could play it was heard there and 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 i was the guy coming from a ra radio station i was the guy that introduced them so much of this modern music to the ball clubs and sports venues it was unheard of uh, back in the day but uh, to make my gags to embellish my gags i would bring little uh, recorded uh, uh, bits from uh, uh, popular songs to uh, to play that fit the the theme of my gag uh, 
And um, like I say, Texas had tremendous speakers out in the outfield where fans could hear. And and uh, Wrigley Field back in those days uh, had a very weak uh, sound system. Sure. We're speaking with Ted Genos. Ted is the San Diego chicken. See, Ted, I didn't say was, is the San Diego yeah. chicken. And, of course, he has uh, performed to over 60 million people, over 5,000 parents all across the U U.S. and and eight other countries as well. Um, Ted, is there a facility or venue that you really uh, that you haven't performed in that you you wish you want to get is on your bucket list? Yeah, well, back in the day, I wish I could have done old Yankee Stadium. Yep. You know, be, before they went to the new Yankee Stadium. And 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 I tried, you know, I tried to get in there. I've been to all 50 states and and eight countries around the world, and I could have done more, but the, that was plenty for me. And uh, but Yankee Stadium, I would have loved to have done. But then I reached out to them, but uh, they never responded because it was a, a button down organization, which has to be respected. And they just didn't do those things. Although it's interesting that the Yankee video officials um, I ran into one time down in Tampa and uh, they told me laughingly that they said, yeah, the Yankees probably won't have you in person, but the, the biggest response, the biggest laughs uh, on the video board is when we play uh, your goofy skits, you know, <laughs> when we record and play your goofy skits for the fans That's and uh, uh, the fans really enjoy it, enjoy it. So, um, uh, yeah, I would have loved to have played the uh, uh, the old Yankee Stadium, and uh, and also I would have loved uh, performing at the old Montreal Forum for the Canadians uh, yeah. back in the day before they tore that down. Uh, that that was almost like uh, Canada's uh, Yankee Stadium, and uh, the the fans uh, and uh, the organization back then was uh, pretty buttoned down and, and uh, didn't go for for such things uh, uh, back in the day. But uh, and 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 the one, the one city and 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 another stadium I would have loved to have done was uh, Fenway Park. Boston is the only major league city in the entire continent I haven't done. Uh, I might be banned in Boston and not even know it. Well, I, but I'm from the Boston area, and I was trying to think if you've ever been to Fenway, and I don't recall seeing you there. So that no, was... no, that, I never did. Although the Celtics came close. Uh, they were thinking about it, and uh, they told me uh, Red Auerbach is thinking about it, Ted. But uh, in the end, it was no, no. And uh, they just didn't do those things. And, uh, you know, and uh, they were uh, all the organizations there uh, were, again, uh, uh, close to the vest uh, yeah. about about things. The closest I came, I've, I've been all throughout New England, all throughout New England with great success, uh, but never Boston itself. The closest I came was Lynn, Massachusetts, yep. where they had the Lynn Fraser Sailors. Field. Yes, yes. Uh, the Lynn Sailors, uh, yep. uh, Farm Club of the uh, Seattle Mariners. And I remember going in there, and there was uh, the Boston Globe did a huge article uh, of me. Uh, it was written by uh, a columnist, John Fitzpatrick, I believe. I can't Bob recall. Fitz, Bob Fitzpatrick, maybe? Bob Fitzgerald? Uh, what uh, last name was Fitzpatrick? What was the okay. first name? Bob, maybe I think it is Bob. Yeah, may may have been. I can't recall. Anyway, a long time columnist, and he did a wonderful piece. Couldn't believe it. Uh, and uh, but uh, the Red Sox uh, 
Uh, never had me, and neither did the, the Celtics, the Bruins, or for that matter, the Patriots. We're speaking with Ted Junos. Ted is the San Diego Chicken. Ted, do you have any upcoming appearances? I know you you said you're semi-retired, but do you have any upcoming appearances after the new year? No, no, not uh, nothing right now. You know, and, and I'm done from, um, for the most part, performing um, in person, although I do uh, uh, odd shows, you like uh, media appearances, or uh, and I've been featured uh, in a few documentaries where I talk about the, uh, you know, certain uh, aspects, uh, people and things, that sort of thing. Um, but uh, no, I, I don't have anything uh, scheduled. I might do the odd parade yep. and, and trade show and, and that sort of thing. But um, no, I, I I think at the age 69, uh, the heart is still willing, Jeff, but the bones say not so oh, fast. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, I know you're not, not si- you're not sitting on your rear end watching the games. You're, you're moving. Oh, that's right. That's right. And, uh, and, but uh, I, I, I enjoy it. Uh, the last game I did was a few years back for, for the Padres and they did, uh, they had a, a chicken bobblehead sold out the place, of course. And uh, it was a, a remarkable evening, but uh, yeah, I'm still going, I'm still uh, uh, chugging along, but uh, again, to do a, a nationwide tour, uh, uh, highly unlikely, I'd say, Jeff. Have you been to any uh, card shows? Have you been to the national card show or any of the the sports collectible shows? Uh, years ago, I did go to Chicago uh, and um, for a uh, a sports show thing. But uh, I, you know, ironically, of all the cards I, I've signed in my life, um, I've never done a card show. And I will I will lay stake to this claim, Jeff, that. You are talking to the person that has signed more autographs than anybody else in human history. And uh, maybe a lot of your listeners might not know this, but one of the features that I would do every night that I performed, I would stay around late in the game till well after the game. And I signed every autograph request that uh, came up. And I never turned a single person away, not one after the game. Um, sometimes I couldn't sign autographs in the middle of the game because I'd be in a rush, you know, per- performing yeah, working and working. Right. But at, about late in the game, I would retire and then go and, and uh, to a place on the concourse and start signing autographs. And they would make an announcement that the chicken is now signing autographs in section C up on the concourse, uh, you know, go visit them and, you know, people would bring their cameras and and the and those autograph lines went for hours. Jeff, uh, one night again, going back to Texas Stadium when they were in their new stadium, I stayed till uh, two forty in the morning. Wow! Signing autographs. It made a sidebar uh, uh, article in the uh, in the paper a few days later. And uh, literally, the, the 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 autograph line wrapped all the way around the stadium and out into the parking lot. And I never took a break. And I stayed and signed every one. And of course, uh, people had their cameras as well and wanted to take pictures. And I allowed that, you know, and again, never said no to anybody. And uh, so and I signed millions, millions and uh, continue to do that uh, to this day. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you signing my card. And it's funny when I told my co-host that I was going to be interviewing you, 
the first thing he said, he said, Ted has the best signature. So hey, <laughs> did, you, did you practice your signature? Because you, you, you have such a, a gorgeous um, signature. Well, thank you, Jeff. I, I was always a fairly good handwriter. Uh, but um, I, I'll tell you that. I'll tell you this. When you do a couple of million uh, signatures, practice makes perfect. You're yeah, you get pretty good at it, right? Yeah, you get, yes, absolutely. But, I, you know, here's the weird thing. I enjoy it. Doesn't cramp my hand. Doesn't hurt. I I enjoy it, and uh, yeah, I learned as, as a kid up in Canada. You know, they they go through painstaking, um, uh, you know, painstaking time to teach uh, children how to write. At least they did when I was a, a schoolboy back up in there, and they they teach you the proper way to hold a pen and how to. Uh, and we would have uh, we would practice writing classes up there. So yeah, it's so sad. The, it's so sad. Some of the athletes nowadays they scribble like two letters and you can't you know it's a signature and you know i think i thought i think joe dimaggio was the one that really said he said if you're going to sign an autograph make sure people can read it yes i totally agree with that you know the the people are honoring you with their attention and and uh it, and and it's a tribute to say can uh, can you please sign this for me and so I, you know, I, I'm happy to do it. That's why I avail myself to audiences afterwards uh, to, to sign um, their autographs. And, and they they loved it and I loved it. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it, it just it embellished the evening even more. And I can't even begin to tell you, uh, you, you talk about the collectors uh, being happy, but the, the kids as well getting something to, that that they could uh, take home and and show off and put up on their wall and uh, and uh, you know it it added to their night and, and and what's wrong with that? No, I know what what's wrong with making people laugh and, and smile, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, enjoy themselves absolutely. We're speaking mm -hmm. with Ted Giannoulis. Ted is the San Diego chicken. Ted, why don't you let people know how they can follow you on uh, so social media? I know you have a Facebook page and you have a website page. Why don't you, you want to give out that all that information? Well, you know, actually, Jeff, I, I don't have a, uh, I'm not on social media and I, and I don't have a, um, uh, a uh, Facebook page. I've got a, a website, but uh, it's, it's San Diego chicken.com. But um yeah, I really, I really haven't gotten into the social media aspect of of anything. I'm not on on Twitter. I'm not on Facebook or Instagram or or any of those things. Uh, I, I'm afraid. I just, uh, I, I just don't have the time to keep up with it, uh, even in semi retirement. Is there is there a book in the works to tell Ted, Ted been, telling the story? I've been approached, and and I'm doing uh, some. Uh, I'm writing a, a a draft of uh, comedy memoirs, uh, and um, and so I've been approached in the past and and uh, and I've declined. But uh, uh, my wife says, you know, whenever I tell her certain stories or something in passing, she gets flabbergasted. She says, "Are you going to ever put these things down on paper?" For pe oh my gosh, these stories are amazing, and so. Uh, uh, so I've decided, okay, maybe it's time to, to draft something and, and see what gives. Yeah, Ted, you have so many great stories. And, and you know, we're just scratching the, the surface here and all the stories you've you shared with us today. I'm sure people love to hear the, the background and and all the famous people that you've met and the, the impressions that you, you, you've had of them. And uh, just the, the time of, of dealing with fans, so many fans and being in so many different places. It, it, it's, a, it's a fun story. Well, thank you, uh, Jeff. I uh, I I've enjoyed it and uh, I still enjoy it to this day, of course. And, uh, and uh, 
you know, it, it's it's funny when I reflect on memories, they, they still make me laugh and chuckle, you know. But um, I, I tell you, the biggest thrill uh, that I get and 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 have had is hearing tens of thousands of people laughing from their hearts so strongly like that. It's an amazing sound, Jeff. It, you know, it, Ted, it, that must that must be the that must must be the, the effect that drugs have on people because I I'm not a drug person so I don't know but you just getting that natural high of having so many people uh, making so many people happy must be uh, fabulous. You're, you're absolutely right, Jeff. No, I, I I've never done any narcotics uh, whatsoever in my life of any kind, and uh, but that is a, a natural high. You've got uh, basically two minutes to run out there on the field or or on on a basketball court or something and, uh, and do a little uh, comedy uh, tidbit uh, that uh, makes people laugh um, hysterically and, you know, goofing off of players or umpires or coaches or peanut vendors or what have you, or even the fans themselves. It's, it's, it's remarkable. And to, to hear that sound, it's, 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 it ca- to hear it cascading like that and laughing out loud. Oh, it's it it really moves you to say so myself you know there's an old there's an old saying uh don't laugh it only encourages him yes that is correct it sure <laughs> does <laughs> well speaking with ted giannullis ted of course is a san diego chicken just one one more question ted and i'll let you go i really appreciate your time today and I, as i said earlier you have so many fun stories and it's been a, a pleasure and uh spending a little time with you and talking to baseball bunch which i have a sp- soft spot for you know sometimes you know I, I interview people sometimes the interview is for for the listener but this one's for me if you know what i mean <laughs> so sure. I, I really appreciate your time today. Um, did you ever get hurt? Uh, well, you know, in the costume, did you hurt? You, you ever get hurt, or, or you, you've been knock on wood, injury free? No, from believe injury. it or not, I have been hurt on a couple of occasions, and it's all because of my goofing off. But I remember one time in Atlanta, Fulton County Stadium, I was uh, to be driven out uh, in the introductory, um, uh, uh, in my introduction in the second inning. And uh, the grounds crew guy um, was to drive me out there. And I told him, uh, when you go out there, make a hard turn and I'll and I'll uh, I'll go flying off the back of the, of the bed of this uh, little uh, tractor that they had, the little four wheeler. And I'll make it look like uh, I go flying out and take a pratfall uh, in, in my introduction. So he did the hard U-turn and I went flying out. And unfortunately, the, the pratfall failed on my end. Oh, no. <laughs> because, uh, because, and I landed on my shoulder blade and I separated it. Oh, my gosh. And it hurt. But I went on with the game. And it's very interesting that uh, a few innings into the game, I, I remember Skip Carey uh, uh, saying, you know, the chicken is not using his left wing quite as much <laughs> as he's using his right wing. I think he may have hurt himself on his introduction there uh, coming in. Instead of being driven in on a limousine, I came in on, a, on the back of this little four-wheeler uh, driven by the, uh, by the groundskeeper. And Skip was absolutely right. And I went on and performed to several weeks uh, of my schedule with a, with a shoulder that I couldn't move um, only 50% of, believe it or not. And there was another time in St. Louis for the St. Louis Blues at the old St. Louis Arena, where the organist, uh, uh, during a face-off play, 
face-off break was playing Zorba the Greek. And I was at the top of the aisle and I start dancing down the aisle one step at a time. And as the music picks up, I start dancing down the aisle and the, and the crowd is clapping in unison. And here I come. Well, old St. Louis Arena had stadiums, uh, had had steps that weren't built to code. And I kind of like the old Boston Garden. That's how the yeah, old Boston Garden used to be. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And I misjudged a step and I take a tumble all the way down from the middle of the aisle, all the way down to the glass. And the fans are uproarious. They think this is all part of the sketch. <laughs> uh, no, it wasn't. Yeah. It was for real. And I ended up breaking my foot uh, in the fall and uh, it was painful, but I didn't think uh, it was broken. I just felt it may have been bruised. And I played through the rest of the game with that bruise and then a few additional games, hoping that the bruise might go away. And it didn't. And uh, and so the next week when I had an open date, I had a doctor look at it and he said, son, you have a hairline fracture. You broke your foot. Oh, and I had to go and uh, get a uh, get a cask and continue to uh, uh, play with uh, with a cast on my foot. But I never missed a single game. That's awesome. Well, Ted, it was Ted. Thank you very much. So speaking with Ted Giannoulis, Ted Giannoulis is the San Diego chicken. As I said, he's been uh, entertaining us sports fans across the world from night since 1974. Uh, thank you for spending some time and sharing some stories with us. Uh, I'd love to have you back because I could go another two hours with you, Ted, honestly. Jeff, it's an honor being with you. I, I appreciate uh, everything and uh, and your questions and the interest. Uh, thank you very much. I uh, so much. It's 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 been an honor. All right, thank you, sir. You have a happy new year, and uh, we'll I'm sure we'll be in touch. Okay, very okay, good. Thank Take you. care. You too. Bye. Bye bye now. All right, Drew. Season five, episode one in the books. Kicking off the season. I love it. I know we got, you know what, when you, when you reset, right. Cause we were like, we're at 48, 49, 50, 51, where, you know, you get so many episodes and all of a sudden we get all the way back to number one. It's kind of, we can refresh, look at the show again. We got all sorts of cool stuff we're, we're talking about uh, in the plans. We got, um, you know, maybe we'll have another live show soon. We have uh, all sorts of uh, interviews. I think I have uh, five or six interviews in the next two weeks that, uh, of all sorts of, collectors and people in the hobby and uh former players so we've got all sorts of great guests for you guys uh we love doing the show uh it's so much fun i want to thank ted Giannoulis, the san diego chicken for joining me of course our our corresponding friend les wolf um it was, it was great to talk to les next week we have jeff owens from sports collectors digest clemente lisi will be joining me in collect clemente's world that's our, for, our first segment for Clemente's World. We're going to talk to everything from soccer to hockey to everything in between. And then we have a, a collector from In Collector's Corner. I won't put the name out, but we got a collector coming next week. So we have a, a great show for you next week. Drew, anything else before I let you go? I think we're pretty well covered on this. All right, guys. Thank you, everyone. Stay happy. Be good. Uh, many happy returns to everyone. We'll see you next week. <laughs>